This is my intro theme song, Star Wars theme, so now they can imagine it, because we can't actually play it. Welcome to From the Presidium (laughs) Podcast. I'm Tim. I'm Dustin. This is the podcast about filmmaking and movie watching. Yes. Today we're going to be talking about Dustin's request, Star Wars Universe Part 1. Yes, Star Wars, Star Wars, I don't know how many parts we're going to end up doing, but this will be our first first discussion about the star wars universe in general i'd like to focus more on the original trilogy four five six uh yes okay so part one will be focused on four five six yes but tim this is where your wheelhouse comes in was it yesterday that the star wars world opened star wars was Galaxy saturday Edge opened friday friday at disneyland out in california as a new expansion to the disneyland Original Disneyland Park. Which I guess is the largest portion of the park now, is Star Wars Land. What's the largest ex- expansion they've ever had? It's, oh, okay. it's only 13 or 14 acres, and I think the original park is around 100 acres. Have you watched a lot on it yet? I I've, have. I have read many fan websites and watched a few videos from people recording it when they went into uh, walking around Star Wars Galaxy Edge. Yeah. And riding the Millennium, Millennium Falcon attraction. Yeah, I saw a couple of those. You have to keep reminding me what the name of it, because I'm just going to keep calling it Star Wars Land. Uh, and I know Disney's by, by like, default, don't every, call it By that. default, everyone calls it Star Wars Land because that's what people called it before yeah. they came up with Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. But it's supposed to be an all-inclusive... It's immersive. immersive. Yeah. Blah, 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 their, their reaction to Hogwarts and yeah. Universal's Harry Potter. Yes. Which... The, 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 direct, the new direction of theme parks. Apparently. Yeah, it is. I mean, it. I, yeah. That's a whole other podcast. That's, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's a whole other world. Seeing these videos pop up on my feed on YouTube, because I did not know it opened. So and this it does, was like... It was open down in Florida this yeah, August, I believe. yeah. It's pretty much a, a carbon copy from what I've heard. Is it? That's what I was about to ask you next. The I've, one of Florida I've, is supposed to have a roller coaster and and the Millennium Falcon ride. There is a, there is another attraction opening up in Disneyland that oh. was not open, it was is not ready on time. But it's the something about the Resistance and you're in a Tie Tie Fighter. That, maybe Star that's Cake. the. It's not a roller coaster, oh. but it's it's very immersive, multi level start and stop type of attraction. Apparently, oh. it just wasn't ready. Uh, yeah, okay. So Florida's gonna be getting the, that as well. Yeah. Plus they have Pixar Land. Plus they're gonna get. I don't think they're doing the whole Marvel thing in Florida. I think part of Epcot they they're can't, doing. They can't in Florida because of Marvel's agreement oh, with Universal. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know they're doing Guardians of the Galaxy in Epcot. There's a yes. Guardians of the Galaxy ride. They're taking over the, universe, the uh, universe of Energy. Yeah. Ellen DeGeneres attraction. Which that got dated and old. Uh, Epcot in general is dated and old. but Which is why they're turning Epcot away from the original idea into intellectual properties like Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy. Right. Hey. And that is a roller coaster. Apparently. Yes. Oh, it is? It's indoor oh, that's roller coaster. Cool. Yeah. That'll be neat. I'm not going to Epcot because of it. I haven't been to Disney in years. Like Disney, four World, World Disney World? Four years, I think. I, I was there in 2000. Oh. No, maybe 2000, 2010 was the last time I was at Walt Disney World. But you don't like World as well as Disneyland. I think at this point in time, I would go to World over Disneyland. Oh, you think? Because Disneyland has just gotten so overcrowded and packed. Disney World is too. But there, there's still times at Disney World you can go where it's not. I don't busy. know if that exists actually. Oh, it does. I don't know because I lived down there and we went in like random times and it was still you're still standing in a nine hour line for whatever Star Tours. Yeah. What, I read what attracted me to the parks years ago. I've 
I've well, lost it's not that. the same. Yeah, and that's going to that kind of is a good segue into Star Wars for me. Yeah. But real quick before we get off of Disney and then back on Disney, uh, now I lost my train of thought. What were we talking about? Star Wars. That the things the parks did that attract me oh, to them, crap. they no longer I'm no longer attracted to. And you said that's a segue into Star Wars. Yeah, I know. I Was it things all over. That, that attract you to Star Wars? That no, 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 I forgot, Tim. <coughs> It'll come it. back. It'll come back. It'll come back. All right. I was knocking Disney on something. I forget what. Dang it. Star Wars. Really driving me nuts. Star, Star, Wars. Star, Wars. Star Wars. It'll come up to your head. <laughs> Star Wars 4, 5, and 6. <laughs> Who is your favorite original trilogy character, Tim? Luke. I was Luke growing up. Who is your favorite prequel <laughs> character? Jar Jar. Jar Jar. Jar Jar is the best. Because he's just a big old boober. He is great. Um, he's got comedic chops like you wouldn't believe. I know. He's funny. There's fart jokes. And we already went over this. Yeah. I don't want to get too much into the prequels on this one. Right. Because we already did that whole and episode only, one thing. I, We just did one. And yeah. I, only, I haven't seen two and three in a long time. So yeah. I would want to. My idea was, Tim, and this is what's been blowing up my mind for the past two days is that Star Wars World came out. I had no idea. So, like, these videos popped up on my YouTube feed. So I started looking at it, and I watched, like, a nine-minute walkthrough that CNET got to do. The media media got in a day or two before. Yeah, so it was empty. I've also recently gone back and watched some of the crowds from the first groups going in where it's just... Well, but they they're, they have a new system in place. Yeah, it's crowd to, control. To very much crowd control. Yeah, it's it was still packed. But the CNET one was just this one woman walking around in my stores, which was cool to see. As I watched it, again, I shrugged and said, and that's why I think I texted you. I said, it just I don't know. I felt like looking at it, it was neat, and I felt like it was so neat, I should have had more of a reaction a to it. A fanboy reaction to it? Instead, I just looked at it and thought, Star Wars stuff. It's not completely Star Wars stuff, but there's hints of Star Wars stuff that... And, like, this this woman was gushing because the Millennium Falcon, huh? And I was like, I saw it and I went, oh, okay. People have reported when you walk around the corner into the park, into Star Wars land, and you go around the corner and you see the Millennium Falcon, people have reported just broken down into tears. Yes. Because, because you're seeing it in, in real life, I, in life It's size. not real. No, but it... it <laughs> it is, is life-size. It's not real. So it's they not, kept it's talking not, about this stuff like it was Lego real. It's toy that you have on your desk. But it's like when the Smithsonian had all of the mod. Like, that's cool because that's real. That right. was used in the... This right. isn't real. They keep talking like, there it is in the flesh. I'm like, it didn't actually just land here. Like, <laughs> calm down. Hey, hey, hey. Spoiler alert. But the, Yeah. <laughs> but then I started thinking, and this is a whole introspective thing for me. Why didn't I... Why? Why do why I not care? care? Why do I not care? And so I started tracing it, and this is where I really fell down the rabbit hole. And I started watching behind the scenes of the original trilogy, and I went back and I watched. I, I'm not joking right now. I've watched hours just than yesterday of just <laughs> clips of George Lucas interviews from the years, and I'm trying to like the year. Which which years were you watching the whole? Oh, screen? the whole through. Like, and I'm trying to wrap around. And I watched the interview of 60 Minutes where he called Disney white slavers, and I watched. Uh, him sign the documents to when they sold, when Lucasfilm was sold to Disney. And I watched the opening to the Star Wars, the Galaxy's Edge, where he was definitely not wanting to be there. And I was just, I don't know, I, like, thinking about my experience with Star Wars and what I loved about it. It's not, this Star Wars world is not there for me. So then I'm watching all these fanboys go in, and like you said, crying about the Millennium Falcon, I'm saying, what? 
Why? Why? <laughs> like, how has it gotten? How has it gotten as big as it is? Is kind of where I want to focus this podcast on, and I want to bring up vital questions because I went back and watched some of the opening day ceremonies of in '77, and I watched the making. I watched like a three-hour documentary on the making of the original trilogy, and I went and they talked about the toys and all that stuff. And even when I was a super Star Wars fanboy back in what, the 90, late 90s? I didn't have the concept of Star Wars of what it was before. Does that make sense? No. Then we'll get into that. <laughs> my, my, my question is, at what level fanboy were you in the 90s? Were, I was, I was were in you deep. dressing up as, as a character for Halloween? Did you have all the toys? Did you buy the comics? I or got into the toys. The movies? I was a big into the EU books. All right. I read a, a lot of the books. And that's where I started. I mean, I liked reading, but those were... I, I mean, we could get into Did the Did you whole. see yourself as being... Wh- who was your favorite character in... Darth four, Vader. In 4, 5, and 6? Darth Vader's my favorite character of all time. My friend, my best friend in school, my best friend now, and I guess in life. Besties other, forever. Other than my, other than my wife. Um, <laughs> Good save. <laughs> yeah. Different friends. He loved Han Solo. Okay. Han Solo was his favorite. I don't know anyone that liked Luke. You're the first one I've ever liked Luke. <laughs> Luke is who you're supposed to like. Uh, I guess my I guess one of my other friends that's at Penn State, his he likes Luke. It's... I liked Darth Vader. So you didn't ask me why I liked Darth Vader. I liked Darth Vader because when I was younger, I liked Return of the Jedi. Like young, I mean like seven, eight. And I liked it. Well, I didn't like all of Return of the Jedi. For some reason, I liked the lightsaber scene in the throne room. And I liked when Darth Vader saves Luke. I don't know why it resonated with the bad guy redeeming himself or, and I always liked that. And I thought it was like a tragic story at the end where luke like his dad dies after he's saved by his dad who's which is really weird because i already knew return of the jedi before i watched empire strikes back so the reveal to me was not i already knew it but when i rediscovered star wars in my teen years darth vader to me he has a certain sense of control over all the situations that i didn't feel like i had as a teenager does that make sense do that one again i got lost in there so Let's start right now. We're, here's what we're going to do. Time out. Pause. <laughs> There's going to be someone out there that's like, ooh, the fanboy. Okay. So I'm going to tell you where I'm coming from with all this discussion when I start bashing things and not bashing things and defending George Lucas because I've slowly started to teeter back. on. I'm joining the dark side with George Lucas here. <laughs> I, I, it's that love-hate relationship, but I'm suddenly starting to like fall back towards George Lucas going, eh, I don't know. I kind of like George now. Probably because of the prequels. In sixth grade, my sixth grade, so what is that, 12? 12 years old? Ish. Which is a terrible time for any teenager. For most teenagers. Yeah. I switched switched school systems. Uh, My parents moved me out. We didn't didn't move far, but we moved to different schools, which is, I mean, it's tough. You have to, it's destabilizing. You had friends. Now you don't have friends. Now you're somewhere else, you know, right at junior high. So it was like seventh grade I went to this. And I felt like everyone... There's already clicks. I wasn't part of those clicks. You're in this world that's not yeah. you. You don't know what you're doing. You make the you make do. I mean, that's life. That summer, USA ran the original Star Wars trilogy on TV for whatever reason. And for whatever reason, I decided, you know what? I'm going to record them on VHS. I don't know why. I still don't know why. At that moment in my life, they connected with me. Right. I, that was the moment. I had seen them before, kind of. But that was like the moment where I understood it. Does that make sense? Yes. It kind of spiraled. And this was also right around the time where Lucasfilm was ramping up the marketing again because they were going to re-release them. 
as the special edition. So then all the toys started coming out. And so I was right there where it was like, oh, I can buy the toys now. And all these books were coming out and I was reading it. And I just kind of fell into it. So all the EU stuff. The other thing that was great was the friend that I referenced earlier. I remember the first day of school, I was sitting in homeroom and I was reading the Timothy Zahn books, which were like the first couple that came out. And I looked over and that was reading the same book and i was like oh now i'm not an individual and i was like how is he reading the same book we kind of bonded over it because we were like oh you're reading the same book it like star wars became the thing for us as and, friends and at that point in time it was still not socially acceptable no, to be we a were, star wars fan and i bring this up a lot we were bullied heavily right. um i remember one time the football team followed us through the hall because I think I was wearing a Darth Vader shirt or something, which you couldn't find easily back then. And they sang the Imperial March behind us as we walked, like bullying us. But they knew it. They knew it. I mean, it was still in the cultural milieu or whatever they call it. But there was a level of bullying that we accepted it. Like Star Wars, it was like comic books at the time. If you read comic books, it wasn't. You were like a subculture. That's how I originally connected with Star Wars. And so when I watch... I haven't watched them in a while because I think Empire Strikes Back is such a dark story that it connects with that time in my life where things were kind of chaotic. Yeah. And I, I was yeah. moving. You're a teenager. You're all that New puberty school. crap. Right. The idea of heroes fighting this evil that is Darth Vader, but it seemed like Darth Vader in that movie, he has all the control. So I was like, and you know still, well, he's redeemed it. He's not actually evil, evil, but he's kind of a bitch in that movie. Right. Uh, so I like, connected with his, I guess, business. <laughs> but it's also a compelling story that the good guys don't win, so you don't feel as a teenager watching it that all hope is completely lost, even though yeah, Darth Vader or Han Solo's frozen in carbonite and you know Luke and Leia are the only ones that are really out. Luke gets his arm chopped off. and So that was my connection with it. I really fell out of it with episode one. Episode one was a giant disappointment. Now in my life, I go back. It's a bad movie, as we discussed, but I don't blame it entirely on George Lucas anymore. I blame it on all the hype that I built up. I was expecting to go in, and this is gonna, this is gonna run into our discussion with the Disney stuff. I was expecting to go into Episode One and get the same feeling I got the first time I watched Empire Strikes Back, where the Millennium Falcon does that sweet like uh, flip move over the right. clouds and yeah. flies back, or when they're flying through the asteroid field, and you're just like, I, I went in there, and I was like, this isn't. I wanted to see Tie Fighters, and not knowing, yeah, I'm not gonna see that. So I built up all this, destroyed it. It was kind of nice because then I was in high school. We kind of, me and my friend, kind of moved on in a way. You didn't really. You still loved the old ones, but you, but you found. You matured and found new things right. to we inspire did. you. We did. Right. And we moved on. They're still there. I still reference, and this is where we're going to talk about, a lot of my love for films is Star Wars, because like I mentioned Jurassic Park last time, but I was very young. Star Wars, watching those was the first time I got excited for just talking about movies. And the extended universe was fascinating because you had all these characters and what was going to happen in this book, and the books came out monthly. And it was just, again, though, it was a time in your life where it was, you moved on. Not that, I mean, I still have a pop toy of Darth Vader with his mask off, which I love. But, um, and I still have, I still have one action figure of Darth Vader and he's in the case from Empire. And that's, that's as nerdy as it got recently. But I don't, watching this new Star Wars stuff, I said it's not for me. That's why I keep saying it's not, it's not, I've had those feelings, it's over. I feel like though, if. But even then, you were not as fully immersed in the fanboydom. No, I wasn't as bad as as it is. So people that walk up to 
the Millennium, walk around and see the Millennium Falcon today and cry. I don't know. I think I would have liked it a lot when I if that would have came out when I was in seventh grade. That would have been a different story. Right. I wouldn't over, have over cried. The years, over the years, you're you weren't as attached to. You don't have a. We mature. A, you, I slowly you like don't have a bedroom filled with Star Wars decorations in your house. No. And you don't um, have. Posters and no. decorations and I mean the, I have some posters I have stuff but you don't but you don't have a shrine in your house set no, up no because it's stuff and that's one of my criticisms of the new Star Wars world when we get to that it's it's stuff and at a certain point it's like I'm not gonna sit and collect all this stuff because it's it's gonna sit around and if I ever have kids or anybody they're not gonna want it maybe they will I I was in pretty deep uh, I was a subscriber to like Star Wars Insider and we played all the video games and that's all we talked about for about two or three years of our lives. And that's why I think episode one was so devastating. Cause I went to every special edition of the theater. I remember going to stay and standing in line when they re-released new hope and watching Jabba the Hutt get his tail stepped on and thinking that's kind of weird, but it's still star Wars. How exciting that was when the opening long time ago and the crowd, cause that was the original. I had never seen it like that, right. but I was in a crowd of people who had seen it the first time and it was exciting. But then it's like, Recently, you know, I've seen all the other ones. I just kind of, eh, it's, I don't have that feeling. I don't, because it's not, they're not the same movies. They're not the same. Because we've been talking about Star Wars for a while. Yes. And at what point in time do you lose your, is episode one when you lost your, eh? Yeah. No. Um, I, no, because I tried episode, it was like a drug. I tried it a couple times. Because I went to see it a couple times, and I own it, like I told you. Right. I tried it. There are things I still fall back on, like we said in episode one. I won't rehash it, but there's things I like about it conceptually. I don't think, and even now, the more interviews I watched with George Lucas and behind the scenes and stuff, I still stand by. I don't think he's a great director. I think he's an ideas guy. He's a great ideas and concept guy. His concepts and ideas have really revolutionized film uh, in the industry, for better or for worse. And you have to give him credit for that. But as a director, I think he needs people around him to kind of, and we'll get into that with the making of New Hope. Even then, it was kind of, uh, the the editing, that wasn't him. That was people that made scenes more interesting than they originally were shot. And I mean, and that's no fault to him. I mean, I don't think he's the greatest writer, and I don't think he's the greatest director, but his ideas are there. And so with his ideas, and I think episode one suffered from, again, the Yes Men. And yeah, I hated it. I was excited about episode three. Uh, I liked it more when it came out. The moment really recently where I said, I'm kind of done trying to argue about these movies or I watched the documentary, I Am Your Father. Have you seen that? No. Yeah, okay. So it's about the actor that played Darth Vader in the suit. David Prowse. Yes. It's about how crappy he was kind of treated on set. And he thought... For the longest time, like his lines were going in the movies, they weren't. Right. They told him the biggest the the biggest stab in the back was in Return of the Jedi, where he showed up on set after three years of playing Darth Vader, was ready to do the scene where Luke takes off Darth Vader's helmet, and in the other room they were filming that scene with a different actor and didn't tell him. <laughs> and so the the documentary traces. They find they find Prowse later in life. It was right before he died. Uh, the guy making it said, "Would you like to recreate that scene?" And so, but then the documentary goes back and shows, you know, he was kind of heartbroken because he said, "I, you know, I'd done this for three years," and then they kind of give me my moment. Yeah, they stabbed me in the back, and 
So at the end, they do, they reshoot the scene, but they couldn't show it because of copyright on the documentary, but they screened it in a theater. And so he came in and they redid it and it was crying. And I sat on the couch and bawled like a baby. I cried like a baby watching this because it was, you know, documentaries do anyway, where they tug at your heartstrings. But watching the scenes of the original trilogy that I hadn't seen in years brought back all that teenage stuff. And I sat and watched it and I thought, and that's the moment I thought, I don't like The Force Awakens. I liked, but then there was still that thing that I was like, eh. It was like Star Wars stuff, but it's good. Now I don't think it's that good of a movie. It was that documentary, and then I finally said, these aren't for me. They're, they're not for me. They're not for us. They're not. I mean, they're still banking on people buying the crap, but I'm not buying the crap anymore. Do I still like these movies? Yes. I love the original trilogy, but I'm not. It's not the same. I'm Move gonna, on is what I want to say. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say that episode five killed Star Wars for me. At that point in time, I didn't care. Empire Strikes Back? Yeah. It, it did not meet. That's funny because... I, I get everything I wanted out of Star Wars from number four. Because that's the one that... Well, they're, one, different, they're different movies. Right. Which but we can I, get I into I like the, the hero's journey. Yes. The initial stages of hero's journey yes. stories are parts are the stories that I like. And New that, Hope is a different movie than Empire. Right. Yeah. It's a different tone completely. That's why I said... I like Empire because it's a darker movie. But once it got to Empire and that came out and I was all excited to see it. Yeah. The, and I'm like, eh, I, I didn't care anymore. I was like, yeah. I, these characters, they're, they're just going through motions at this point in time. However... Empire explores the characters a little deeper than New Hope does. But also, I remember when that came out that Harrison Ford had said in interviews he to die. that he yeah. wanted to die because he was tired of making these movies. Yeah. He didn't want to be Han Solo. So there's this. it's the same thing that we have now with internet buzz yes. when movies come out. Is the, the actors talking about stuff before, uh-huh. after the filming, but before the movie comes out, and everyone goes, "Oh, you've ruined it for me." Yeah, and the fact that he said he didn't care is like, okay, you can tell he doesn't care in this movie. Harrison Ford, though, when you read stuff like his interviews, this is not a little off subject, but he's kind of he says stuff sometimes in public that you're like, "Come on, man!" Like Blade Runner. During Blade Runner, he hated being on set so much. That I guess he just showed up and acted. The the funny the irony is that's his character in Blade Runner, so I guess it so works. <laughs> but yeah, him and Ridley Scott, like at the point in Blade Runner, Raiders had already come out and he had reached this new level, and so he felt that the movie Blade Runner was, I guess, beneath him. Or I don't know. Like, like why he, wouldn't you show up and not do the job that was, you're set he, to he was do? Better, or he I guess you wanted a different growth. Who knows? Yeah, who knows. I wouldn't point to Harrison Ford as that's an actor. Like he's great for action movies, and but he's the same character. He's the same character. He's Harrison so, Ford. So showing up and acting like you're Marlon Brando or something. Ah, come on, or Lawrence Olivier. Let's let's be honest, Harrison. Like, <laughs> it's same with Bruce Willis. Like Bruce Willis knows what he is. He's an action star. You're not gonna. But four is the only one that yeah I attach to. They're Marvel movies. Now. Even even five and six, I, I don't attach to those. Yeah, I mean, well, you have a different experience because right. you saw it new. I they would already they. By the time I got to them, they had long been in the right. social consciousness exactly. that, and that's why. So that's the one first point I want to bring up because I'm going to go a little bit back with film history and things like that. Is an era before Star Wars. It's hard for even people my age and younger to imagine when there was no Star Wars because it, it is so ingrained in our culture. I mean, we have a Star Wars world now, it's Galaxy's Edge. That's like, that's, I mean, it's impressive that it's ingrained itself so much in Western culture. That they've spent billions upon billions right. of dollars to bring it to life. 
But that's something that even me as a general, I don't remember a time there wasn't Star Wars. But there was, and it wasn't Star that Wars long came ago. out in '77. <laughs> yeah, and I was 13 at the time, so I was at the same pivotal age. Yeah. When it first came out that you were when you encountered it. Yeah. So I can remember a little bit what the world was like pre-Star Wars. And I remember the buzz and not expectation, but the we didn't know what this thing was. Everyone was talking about it and people were lining up around the blocks. Which is a bizarre concept for me because we've always had it. You know what it is. And then I remember I got the book of the movie before I saw the movie. And they had the 10 pages inside that had color pictures. Uh Uh-huh. I'm like wait, the stormtroopers are wearing white. If you're wearing white, you're supposed to be the good guy. You know the bad guys? <laughs> yeah, Darth Vader's the right. bad guy. But but he's wearing black, so you know. Right. The, the, so there's all these things like, I don't understand. Your, your brain was just befuddled by these things that they were telling in the story. And the the first opening scroll, and then the first scene with the, the ship, oh, yeah. and then the big giant ship coming after it. It's like, yeah. that was completely, completely new. Yeah, to to me, well, it changed it changed movies because I I don't remember seeing two thousand one. So two thousand one up up until Star Wars, two thousand one was the most su- financially successful sci fi movie. Up until that, you had like Planet of the Apes. You had they weren't huge blockbuster events. They were they weren't taking you into space. Yeah, like they this. were they were sci fi right. and sci fi people in the sixties and seventies wanted more realism in movies. So a lot of like special effects departments and stuff at studios were shut down. Because they were venturing more towards this kind of new cinema with like, I'm trying to think of the Easy Rider. Those types of movies were becoming the norm. Whereas more realism, more kind of nihilistic, anti-hero driven films. What year did Jaws come out? 75. And Jaws was a big deal because that was the first blockbuster. Right. Which so I'm trying, trying to think of what, what the big movies were in the early 70s leading up to... Uh, the Exorcist was big. The which was before. not something I saw as a kid. The 70s. You had a lot of gritty uh, Death Wish type movies. Remember Death Wish? Yeah. That kind of stuff. The Star Wars was a, a very big shift from what yes. we were seeing on the screen. So yeah, when you saw Star Wars, that was... That was a new, which is a concept to me that I, because I'm even post all the blockbusters. Like, I didn't even get. When did Disney's Black Hole come out? I don't remember. I think that was. Because there's also Wars. Dark Star. Remember when uh, John Carpenter did Dark Star? Was that before Star Wars? I don't remember. And there's Last Starfighter. I mean, because Star Wars brought yeah, in a Yeah, because whole... Alien, that was after Star Wars. That was 20th Century Fox's response. Or that was, uh, yeah, it was Fox. But that was their response. That was a horror response to Star Wars, I guess. So, yeah, when you saw it, that was. My generation, that concept is bizarre that because we know what Star Wars is. So seeing it, not knowing what it is, is something that is interesting to me, at least culturally. So that's one of my questions I want to bring up to you later. Is? Will we ever see in our lifetime a cultural event like Star Wars again? Marvel. No, I don't think that's the same level. Because it's basically Star Wars. It's replicating it. Something that's completely so different. And, yeah, and that it changes. It changes everything. Star Wars changed everything. I mean, think about it. All right, so let's go back. You ready I mean, to go the, back? The obvious answer is yes. Because but we can't. How do, how do you know? Do you think? So okay. What so are, we've already established that this was a new thing. The blockbuster, like we said, Jaws. That was just two years before. Films after after the studio system collapsed. Films became more pessimistic. Because you had the Vietnam era, you had the civil rights movement, you had Watergate, you had America, you had a lot of distrust in authority figures. 
Right. So all the movies are movies that you don't like, Tim, where it's kind of press the Godfather. The I like you know, the Godfather. No, it is, but yeah. it's not an uplifting. Oh, no. Hopeful movie, and that's what movies were becoming because it was a response to the 60s, the late 60s and early 70s. By the time Star Wars gets around, Vietnam's over, uh, Nixon left office. People generally were looking for something other than this kind of depressing because you had the oil embargo, you had the but economy so, was... Society, there's a lot of weird stuff going on in society yes. at that time. And so that movie came out at the exact right time to hit a nerve... Based on the themes he was dealing with, the and again, it's it's kind of a morality tale of good versus evil. Good wins at the end of Star Wars, and that's where you say like episode, episode five is a different story because you're moving into the '80s, and that and Empire is a, is very indicative of kind of going into the Reagan years and what the '80s kind of become with right. films. But in '77, it was supposed to come out in '76, but it they kept pushing it because it didn't get done in time. '77, you know, it just hit it hit a nerve where it was like you said, it was kind of hopeful. It was kind of a fun adventure and space and it kind of harkens it escapism back. but also really yeah. but it, it told a story you could relate to about that things will be okay yes it was told in a visually stunning way the special effects that were created were mind-blowing at the time like a lot of the stuff industrial light and magic did was like in a barn somewhere because they were tiny and they just created that stuff the camera movement that they used they were they were literally creating like computers not computers we think of now but right the there's to a, use the the motion of the camera to capture like the Death Star trench run, and that was all that they could repeat over and over. Yeah, that was all just built. They tried they, a bunch of people sat around and said, "How are we going to do this?" Like this is what he wants, and I guess George Lucas was actually very disappointed in the special effects, and that's why in the '90s he went back and did and all that. Fixed it. Yeah, I don't think he fixed it, but yeah, I guess he was really disappointed in what they came up with, and they were kind of like, "We this did is pretty we cool." Did yeah, this is pre- and everyone loved it. Like, like you said, seeing the giant ships fly over and it looked real. Because up was, at that point in time, the what's the word I'm trying to think of? The only thing that we had to compare it against was Star Trek: The Original Series, which is hokey, right? Even yeah. then, even in the '60s, watching it, you knew it was hokey, right? And then to see because they're lost the, the, in space, that was lost in space, yeah. yeah. But to see what looked like a real spaceship flying in real space, yeah, was pretty uh, pretty amazing. Yes. And it's a fantasy movie, whereas Star Trek tried to fall back more on sci-fi. And and this is, a, I, I don't know, but Star Wars feels like it tries to distance itself from the times, but it still captures the essence of the 70s in the post-Vietnam, where Star Trek sometimes hits you over the head with social commentary, which right. is what it was doing. Which, is, which was appropriate right. at that time. And I feel like Star Wars does <laughs> such a great blend... And hides it so well that anyone can go see it and say it's a spectacle. And this is and people go see it thirteen feel, times. You don't have to see the commentary, the social commentary it's making. Correct. You can just enjoy it for a science fiction movie being out in space. Yes, but it also because he was dealing with like Joseph Campbell's. Um, uh, what's thousand, it called? That's, that's what just looking up. The, uh, Hero, with it's the, Hero with a thousand faces. Yeah, the monomyth. That's what it's called. Yeah. The monomyth. You, I mean, people have criticized Campbell's writings recently, especially with postmodernism showing up. Me like, oh, you're not talking about this person. He was dealing, essentially, you can just say he's dealing with universal themes that everyone can go and see and say. Which is what he was saying. Right. Right. That that he dissected stories and said, this is a common theme across cultures, across time. Not to mention, and what 
a lot of modernizes I think don't get out of the new ones was it was a callback to old space serials. I mean, he literally started and he went and said, I want to make like a Buck Rogers space serial from the 40s. 16 year old now is not going to know what Buck Rogers is if you tell him that. But maybe in the 70s, you still hit that where people remembered a better time when you went to the theater and you saw these serials as a child. So he was even hitting nostalgia in the 70s. So it was almost like just the perfect storm that I don't know if it was released. If he would have released it earlier, it might not have worked. If he released it later, it might not have worked. But right there in 77, it it hit a nerve. So then that brings us to more of a discussion of where it's gone and where it is now and what it's doing now or what kind of monster. Because it's it's not the Star Wars of 77. I'll tell everyone that right now. Like we (laughs) go back. It has shifted. So the documentary I watched is on YouTube, actually. It's a couple years old, but... What's it's it called, called? It's called Empire of Dreams, and it just goes through the making of the first three because I think it was still prequel era when they made it. But it's just interesting to go back and watch that documentary and watch Lucas's perspective and what he was trying to do when they put that movie out. He thought it was going to be a failure. Everyone thought it was going to be a failure. They did not know they were going to make anything after that. So the original opening crawl was not called A New Hope. It just said Star Wars, and then the crawl started. Because they didn't know they were making... Because it was called Star Wars, yeah. Well, and also they didn't know they were going to be making any other movies. No. And in fact, it was questionable that that one even got the release that it did, because he showed it early on to executives at 20th Century Fox without the soundtrack, I guess. And they were kind of... They kind of looked at each other... And he had his friend Steven Spielberg watch it. And Spielberg, he's on the documentary. He's like, I liked it. He said, but a lot of people in the room didn't. He said, but it was without the score. And it was without the... So you add the John Williams score. I mean, it's cultural. Because the John Williams score at the time was revolutionary because it called back to earlier days. Whereas films before that were using a lot of electronic soundtracks in the 60s and 70s. So that bringing it back to that symphonic made it even more epic to the audience. Everyone had their own theme. Yes, because Williams is a master of theming with characters, and it's very subtle, but you watch for it, and you go, oh, it's Leia's theme playing. And he does it through all of his movies. I recently, I watched Jurassic Park again, because we're getting ready to show it, and there's a moment in Jurassic Park, which is John Williams again, if people didn't know that, where John Hammond is talking about his flea circus. The song that's playing, while he's explaining it, is the same theme that plays at the end when he is standing outside the helicopter listening to the distant dinosaur roars and Dr. Grant has to pull him back into the helicopter, which is how John Williams connects subtly the theme of his feeling that he's failed in right. his like dream of, which is what John Williams does anyway. That was all revolutionary in 77. I and mean, He won an Oscar for Jaws in 75 because that was calling back to and now we're just we just take it for granted, and that's why I, I complain about like Marvel movies. It's generic scoring. It, right. There's no themes. There's no you can't hum any of it. It's I don't know. But anyway, because I remember going back, Williams is able to advance the story subtly through score. Yes, which almost is, like opera, right? Which, which is hard to do, and not many people actually pull it off or try it. Mm-hmm. Then you get into. You said the Marvel movies. And I remember when Pirates of the Caribbean first came out. The the score yeah. was one of the top selling albums. That's back when they actually tracked releases. Because again, that in that movie, the music advances. It does. Yeah, advances the story. And you recognize the theme of pirates, right? But has iTunes and digital releases ruined soundtracks? Did Marvel? Like there's no reason for Marvel to make a, a soundtrack or score this memorable. 
because no one's going to go buy the CD of the score of the Marvel movies. Right. Well, and Star Wars, if you remember, it came out with that double vinyl record that's largely collectible now, but that was part of the marketing process. I probably have one of those in in my storage locker somewhere. But that gets into the marketing of Star Wars, too, which is a whole other beast that was new at the time. Do you want to go back to him making Star Wars? Sure. He was at USC with Steven Spielberg right before Steven Spielberg dropped out because he didn't finish. And the He's other a dropout? Yeah. The other biggie was Francis Ford Coppola. And there's they're all three still friends, so that's why you get these movies that are like kind of sharing each other. But he made this student film called THX and Irvin Kirshner was his professor at USC who then went on to direct Empire Strikes Back. So he went to Kirshner and said, I want you to direct Empire Strikes Back, which Kirshner originally was like, nah, I do not want to touch that. So he got out and he wasn't, Lucas wasn't interested in, I guess, being successful, he claims. His dad was a businessman. His dad wanted to be a businessman, but he didn't want to be a businessman, which is ironic considering now he's worth billions of dollars as a businessman. He got with uh, Coppola and Coppola started this independent film society that had these kind of hippie-esque filmmakers and they're going to do these experimental films and he did THX is it 1089 or 10 it's something and it's terrible I've seen it it basically ended that film societies because they sunk all their money into it and they went bankrupt was that their first movie yeah and and Coppola they were done 1138 so then Coppola told 1138 yeah gave George Lucas the which came out in 71 yes he dared him essentially to make a lighthearted comedy, which then he filmed American Graffiti. He did American Graffiti, which I love American Graffiti, but they tried to get, and I think Universal picked it up, and American Graffiti ended up being a huge hit. Um, and that's kind of how he was able to get funding for Star Wars, because he was asking for a lot of money. Because based on one success, they were willing to roll yeah, the dice? Well, he went to Universal, he went to Disney ironically enough and he went to a maybe paramount with this 13 page story that was star wars and they all turned it down so he went and there was a new ceo at 20th century fox because the studio systems had collapsed and so now all these corporations were buying coca-cola's buying up like we have now these conglomerates were buying up the studios and they had this new ceo at 20th century fox who essentially said you know what we'll take a gamble I saw American Graffiti, it was great, go do it. And so Lucas was pleased because he felt he had all this creative freedom. But then it quickly went downhill fast when they are making it where the sets weren't cooperating. So 20th Century Fox had a lot of questions throughout the whole process because he picked a lot of no-name actors. And there's, there's good footage of like Kurt Russell trying out for Han Solo and stuff. And Harrison Ford, who was in American Graffiti actually was brought on by Lucas to feed the lines. And during his screenshots of feeding the lines to the other actors, Lucas was like, you're Han Solo, essentially. Better than everyone else reading it. Right. So 20th Century Fox wasn't pleased with who they picked. Uh, Mark Hamill was like a little-known TV actor. Carrie Fisher, they told her she was too fat. She had to go to a fat farm, she said, and lose 10 pounds to be Princess Leia, which I, <laughs> is that, I don't know if they still do that in Hollywood. They probably do, but she was dealing with that. They went to like Tunisia, and the, the shooting was a disaster, and people were miserable. And then George Lucas, you watch him, and he's very like morose walking around. They said he doesn't really say much when he directs. He just kind of says faster and more intense that's what he tells them and they're like i don't know <laughs> and they, they showed like behind the scenes of harrison ford and stuff goofing around and george lucas will have has none of it because he got behind schedule he got budget was blown out uh, basically at the end of the movie they shot it within like 
I think they said like seven days. Twenty Century Fox says you're done. Like finish the movie wherever it's at. And so they said he was literally going from set to set, pushing the camera, shooting these last shots because they didn't that's, have that's, that's all time you had? Yeah. Was... Um, so the original script was like 250 pages, which it turned into almost the prequels when you hear him talk about it. The stuff he was trying to shove into. And then he watched back and they show some of the original footage and it is bad. And he said he watched it. There's a scene where Luke's in the speeder of 3PO and 3PO's battery pack or something comes undone. And Luke, it's like this five minute sequence of Luke fiddling with C-3PO's back while they're driving in the desert. It has nothing to do with anything. So Is that part of the story? or I don't know. The costume it's, fell apart and they just were No, it's part it. of the story. Like that oh. was C-3PO was driving the speeder while, I don't know. It was bizarre. But even the actors, like they were talking to like, uh, is his name Daniels that played C-3PO? And he said everyone Anthony, was playing. Anthony Daniels, yes. Yeah, he said a lot of the people were not, towards the end, were not taking that movie seriously. Because they were saying, like, what? There's, like, a giant praying mantis sitting at the bar, which there was. In the original cut of the cantina, there's a giant praying mantis sitting at the bar. Like, they showed, and they said, like, the wolf man sitting there in the background. And they said it was just so laughable because you would read it in the script and go, oh, this is going to be great. And then you show up and there's the wolf man <laughs> sitting at the cantina bar. And they said towards the end, the actors were just saying, this is nonsense. Like, can we get this done? Or can we? So George Lucas watched it and he was not pleased. Like, it just did. The, it was too meandering. It was, it was almost like the prequels. Well, we gripe about the prequels now. Except he didn't have a bunch of yes men around him. So he gave the film over because he had like a breakdown or something. And his ex-wife... His then wife at the time was working on another film with Coppola and she came with another guy and edited it and they said there were sequences where he just shot it and the sequence would start when the actor started and then it stopped. Like the whole thing shot out or played out the way it was set, which isn't interesting. They said it was just boring. Like you'd have soldiers shooting down the hall, for instance, and then their reaction and then cut, move on to the next sequence. Kind of like the prequels where you just swipe. I think that's his directing style. I don't know. So this guy came in and said, we're going to do, we're just going to take this reel. We're going to match it with this reel. One of the scenes they showed that they changed was the scene where Obi-Wan cuts off that guy's arm at the cantina where he pulls the gun out. He says, no blasters, no blasters, and he cuts his arm off. The original scene was literally just the guy steps back with a gun. Obi-Wan pulls a lightsaber out, cuts his arm off. The way they re-edited it is they spliced it. So that it's quicker and jumpier and then like show Luke's reaction, show the arm on the floor where his original didn't have that. The other one that we talked about in the prequels was the Death Star where it originally was not going to blow up the rebel base. It was just somewhere in space and they go and blow it up. And his <laughs> ex-wife said, no, let's make it more dramatic where... need some motivation in there. Yes. You ratchet up the tension. They cut a lot out. Uh, there's a lot that they said, like, the I guess that speeder. Uh, the scene where the Tusken Raider lifts his staff in the air and does the... Ar, ar, ar. In the actual real version, he just lifts his staff in the air and stands there. If you watch it back, they they edit it where it's the same shot. They just reverse it and forward it so it looks like he's actually pumping the staff in the air. <laughs> and then they played it back. I was like, it is. You could see it. But the way they shot it, you can't tell the first time you see it. Yeah. So it, it does. I remember thinking it did seem weird, but you just assumed that was. Yeah, it's not shot that way. That's it's just edited. how they're, they yeah. move. Yeah. yeah. So it's amazing. It's again, it's the, the power of editing can really save right. a movie. But, but it ha- you have to have a good editor. Yes. So no one was interested in even touching the movie. The theaters, they I guess Toy Century Fox, they couldn't, they were trying to drum up enthusiasm and the theaters were just not. 
somehow they got it in and word of mouth started spreading and that's why it became this huge but then the toys the toys were a huge where they started doing the, and this was the first movie you saw lots of merchandising so really the marketing machine ramped up and it got a lot of children you know kids you know what are these characters what are these toys which helped but there were other toys out there. But I mean, there were there, there were Star there were Star Trek toys that came out before Star Wars toys. There were so there were so other it was toys, in the yeah. But Star Wars just took it and tied it up to seventy five. Yes. Yeah, one hundred and ten. So that helped. Then once word of mouth of what it was, yeah, it became like well, a, a cultural phenomenon. phenomenon. Yeah, he was surprised that everyone was surprised that it was anything. Harrison Ford. There's an interview and he's saying, you know, you're staying on set with a quote-unquote princess with these buns on her head and you're looking around like the dialogue is weird and really when you go back and listen to it carrie fisher repeated her line about tarkin's stench when she enters that she's like who talks like this no one talks like this but then you watch the prequels and you say that's george lucas writing that stuff we say it's goofy now but even in the original star wars that dialogue's pretty goofy the prequels then ruined number four for me because after watching the prequels yeah. and watching four it's like Oh, the dialogue is not good. This no, is, it's not. Yeah, because I remember I was enthralled and excited, and even watching it on VHS, it's like, yes. Yeah. But then after watching the prequels and then watching 4 again, I'm like, oh, this yeah. is... No, I think Empire you've ruined, is... You've ruined Darth Vader for me because he's some wimpy little kid now. Yeah. And they can't act, and the dialogue is bad. No, I think Empire, Empire the dialogue is better. Because they went a little off script on that because it's Irving Kirshner. It wasn't... Lucas was there, like, watching, but... And it was his money. So, something I didn't actually know. He had a lot of freedom in his contract with Final Cut, with licensing. Like, 20th Century Fox gave him, in a way... On four or on all of them? On all of them. In a way. So then Empire was solely funded by him. He had complete... Lucasfilm funded the rest of the movies. They had no... The studios had no say. They distributed it. So, in a way... They're really large independent films. And I didn't know that. Because we knew one, two, and three he bankrolled because no one was going to do them. Yeah. Or, or he actually, well, he, he wanted full Lucasfilm, yeah, funded it all. Which then gave me a little more respect where, because he's always big on not letting Hollywood tell him what to do. And I always thought, well, wasn't it 20th Century Fox? No, 20th Century Fox just distributed them. He and Lucasfilm, which they created to handle all this massive thing that happened and kind of fund his ideas was all him so in a way like i said it's they're kind of really large independent films which is bizarre it's in, really in films that were uber successful yeah it's really weird for me to think then to look at george lucas and go wait you were in control of all this <laughs> so are you a genius he's almost become like a tragic figure to me where i watch and i feel i feel bad for him the later it gets where people give him flat because the movie sucked but it's like he's doing all of this like this is these are all his ideas as opposed to what hollywood is now kathleen kennedy coming in firing everybody and then getting new directors and like that wouldn't happen in old lucas films and if you watch the interview he had a script for force awakens that was not it wasn't the story we have now it wasn't a continuation of skywalker and all that it was kind of like 30 years after and all this and J.J. Abrams, I guess, said, yeah, we're going to look at it, look at it. And he was all happy. And then J.J. Abrams, they just threw it out. And he, I guess he was pretty hurt on it. But I was thinking, George, you sold it. Like, you could have done it, but... As we talked about in our pre-discussion, the publicity stills of the opening of Star Wars Gal- Galaxy Edge at Disneyland. And Lucas, uh, Hamill, Harrison Ford. Yeah. Who else was there? Lando was there, actually. Lando was there. None of them are beaming with pride no. to be there. And there's a picture of Iger in the pilot seat of the Millennium Falcon, and Lucas is in the co-pilot seat. And Lucas is turning around with this, this look of, I don't care to be here. Pick- I think Lucas hates Iger, for one. 
from what I gather from the interviews. So why I did, hate Iger. He's a Why did he even show up to... I, I don't know. Is it just, it's, just to... Because by him being there, he is telling the fanboys, I approve of what they've I done. I think with. so. I think it's... If you're already worth $4.5 billion, what would the paycheck look like to get, to make you show up to a place you really don't want to go to? I don't know if it's about to buy there or whatever. I think for Lucas, it's at this point, it's a um, legacy thing. I don't, I don't think he wanted to go down as they have a Star Wars world and he didn't show up because he's being a whiny baby. Don't you think? When you watch the footage of them opening Star Tours in 1980-something, yeah. I yeah. believe, he actually wants to be there. He's yes. excited. He has sparkle in his eyes about, look look at this thing we've created. Which is neat. I right. mean, at the time. That's, but now you look at him. Now and, it's, and, ugh, I don't know. In my comments on our Phantom Menace episode, I mentioned that you were debating or arguing with yourself over George Lucas. Yes. It sounds like the debate is still happening in your head. It is. I'm leaning more towards Lucas, though. But you were anti-Lucas for a while? Oh, I hated Lucas after the prequels. Because? I was the fanboy. I hate you. You ruined Star Wars. But like I said earlier, I think I've now grown on, matured enough to step back and kind of say, I don't know. The prequels were original. I'll give you that. Are they good? No. Are the ideas and themes there? Yes. Again, I think it's he. I don't think he's a great director. He has really good ideas. If you look now, though, at Marvel, at any of these, even Fast and Furious, Transformers, they're all prequels. Like, everything that he did, we're now doing. So, in a way, he's revolutionized. Again. Again, the film industry, for better or for worse, sometimes for better, because we do have, like, Industrial Light and Magic did not exist before Star Wars. And they do pretty much every movie They anymore. do everything. Now, Skywalker Sound, THX, that's all the major movies... If you have money to get, I mean, like Jurassic Park, for instance, would not exist in the form that it is without Industrial Light and Magic, THX. The Pixar, Pixar Computer was created by Lucas, which right. I didn't know until the end of the documentary. And I was like, wait, they came up with the computer? I mean, some of the best video games Photoshop, the 90s were... Photoshop is because of Lucas yes, films. Adobe, the movie maker, filmmaker, a lot of that didn't exist before Lucasfilm came up with that instantaneous movie editor where you could go to any part of the film which revolutionized filmmaking for even independent people or people on the street that want to edit their own films because back in the day splicing and doing i mean that took a lot you had to have a whole lab you had to have all the i mean like i've said before with kubrick he would take six months and he would have he had his own editing studio built normal people didn't have that so essentially you know he did all this stuff but we just want to hate on him for what episode one was stupid. Yeah, there's a lot of stupid movies now that <laughs> I would I would wager episode one is a better movie than half the movies that came out last year. They're not good. Like we don't make good movies. I'm I'm still I'm wrapping my brain around that episode one is better than half the movies that came out last year. I'm not disagreeing with you, but it's something there's I there's a lot of I had, really I, bad I, movies I, that I had, we all, all accept. It, and we well, we just did the review of Annihilation. Yeah. Is episode one better than Annihilation? Um, uh, and they're different. The difference you really can't compare. But Annihilation wouldn't exist without. I, Annihilation, a lot of that background was CGI. I mean, it might exist, but not at the point it is now. It might have been slower. Does that make sense? Yeah. Without his... Someone, someone w- might have done it. Lucas maybe, just yeah. had the financial means to do it. I have the money. I have this idea. Yes. I need to make this happen. 
So when we look at filmmakers and you go back, you say, oh, you know, Orson Welles did this with Citizen Kane and Kubrick did this with 2001 or take your pick. John Ford, Steven Spielberg. I mean, I would say Star Wars has changed films more than, let's say, Citizen Kane culturally. Maybe not film wise. It's impacted impacted movies. Right. In a larger scale. Citizen Kane changed film in the way we look at narrative, the way we look at editing. Whereas Star Wars changed the entire way we digest films in general. That might be a hard concept for some people to... I'm still trying to, like, go through it. I try, And that's where, like, I had moments where I could distance and say... Step back and go, yeah, it's weird that Star Wars didn't exist at some point. Because it's always there for you now. Even going back film history and you say, well, this existed and this didn't. It's easy to do, but you can't fully conceptualize going and seeing Star Wars for the first time and going, I don't know what I just watched. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can. I, I mean, can't, I but like there. my generation, right. we weren't. I mean, Return of the Jedi came out the year I was born, so I was all, it was all. You probably there. didn't see it that year. No, I did not. <laughs> I don't know, did my parents go see it? Probably not. Did they go see it when you were still in the womb? That's what I'm saying. I don't think they went and saw it. They weren't huge. Maybe, maybe that's why it impacted you so much is you remember it from a pre-birth experience. <laughs> My dad told me they went and saw Star Wars, but like my uncle went to see it like 13 times. And I remember my dad saying he just he saw it once. I was like, I don't know. I don't. It's not like now where it's almost like our culture. You have to like it. Does that? It's weird. I don't know. It's weird where we're at now. And I think if if you have to like it, but I was thinking about this as big of a social milestone as Endgame was a month later. No one's talking about it. We've we've moved on. I don't know if the content that they're creating has is zero calorie. That yeah. Endgame has has nothing to. It, it, you eat it. Yeah. You eat you eat the popcorn. You eat the candy. The cotton candy. You go home. You poop it out. And Again, it's, it's like TV watching. Right. Yeah. Star Wars brought conversation into into the into the world outside of the movie or after the movie. And it was true. It's when you always say escapism. I think that tapped into like we said earlier. That was an escape from the 70s, from Vietnam. Watergate, oil crisis. Yeah. And it was a new sense of, because it was hopeful at the end, it felt like a turning point culturally. And that's why... And I keep arguing... But then you add on top the the toys and everything, and that's when it started to really infiltrate the culture, culture. And I keep arguing that our culture is ripe for something to come along that pulls in society, culture... Arts. It is, but I don't think it's going to be movies. You look at at where punk rock came out of in the late 70s, early 80s. Or hip-hop in the Hip-hop, you have the... um, Or late 70s. The flower power movement in the late 60s. How that all just... There was stuff going on that there there was an itch within society and culture that wasn't being scratched. Right. And they scratched it. I still think we're ripe for that. But I wonder if zero-calorie movies and TV... Is this a way to keep us satiated so we don't have an itch? Yes, I agree with you. I think it's pacifying. And I think that's what Star Wars has become, and that's why it's not its not as impactful. So that gets us into once it became a machine, that's when it started to... What's the, how, how do I want to phrase it? So that even with, let's say, hip-hop, for instance, once the main culture kind of embraced and accepted it, it destroys its kind of subversiveness. Um, Once it goes from a the same with punk rock, culture, right. yeah. Instead of having the Ramones, you get Green Day, which it's not. It's now or Blink One Eight Two. It's like pop punk now, and that's what 
capitalism does in a way. And so that's why I'm saying, I think that's kind of my bigger argument. You're not going to have another Star Wars event with a movie because it's almost like the Marvel and all that. It's Star Wars. They're trying to replicate it and you can't replicate it because it's not. It's the same thing with the Twilight Zone. They remake the Twilight Zone and I always say it's not going to be the same because the Twilight Zone is a very specific era that hit a specific cultural nerve that you can't replicate. with Following the same recipe. Right. You just can't do it. That's the problem with all those remakes. They, they just don't work because you can't do The Hills Have Eyes in 2003 and expect everyone to be shocked like they were in 1974. Because 1974, you'd never seen rape scenes like that with weird... Yet now you're so pacified to that stuff, it's not shocking. You just go, yeah, it's The Hills Have Eyes again. And that's what people I don't think understand, but it's money because Hollywood is an industry. Well, that, then that brings us back to the Disney animated movies versus the live-action remakes. If the remakes are pretty much the same movie as animated, are they are they giving us anything new? No. That's an easy answer. Um, no. Even my sister who likes them, she just goes. To like the, Aladdin, the she went, well, it's Aladdin, and she shrugged. She went twice. I said, what? Like, is why? It, is that the one that is a big fan of Beauty and the Beast? Yeah. What does she think of the live action of Beauty and the Beast? Did she shrug? Or just I, I think she saw it a couple of times, I, but I don't know... And I, don't, I think she'll tell you she probably doesn't get anything great out of it, right? I don't know. I'd have to yeah. ask her. I've never really cared to ask her because I always just kind of wrote those movies off. Anyway. A, a question I, I've asked you in the past. You said that episodes seven and eight are not Star Wars movies. No. What is the definition or classification for something to be a Star Wars movie? I, the, the original trilogy. Even Return of the Jedi. But what are, what are the characteristics? What, what can you, if you're a uh, filmmaking executive at Disney and you were told... You came in and said, I want to fill a board with these are the characteristics, features, whatever, that is a Star Wars movie. Can you come up with that list? Yes, but I think you could come up with it better than I can. What's your list? (laughs) We're going to go back and forth there. What did you (laughs) love about the first Star Wars? You kind of mentioned it earlier. I liked the, it's not really a coming of age story, even though Eh, it kind of is. It is. That's the hero's journey. It's the hero, yeah, it's, it's the early stages of the hero's journey. Yeah. That in a unique way we have not seen before. Yes. In unless a, you, unless you knew Japanese cinema, because it is a retelling of... Yeah, we're in space now. Yeah. And I didn't know Japanese cinema when I was 13. Right, so. because it would have been hard to right. get a hold of. Now, yeah, you could watch. And that's why I didn't, I think, five turn me off because it's just it's the same story over again uh i would argue it's not well, it's the continuation of them but it was a continuation it, but there was, it's the just like with the lord of the rings movies the hobbit and the first book which i forget what the first book is fellowship of the rings is yeah. that the one the, the beginning of the hero's journey is the part that is that i that is, excites me yeah just like with dune first volume of dune that is the early stages of Hero's Journey. Well, and that's probably what, why Fellowship Paul, was better received. Than, right. Once Paul Maldib becomes um, the Emperor, the story's not exciting. Yeah. It's, I still read all the books because it was interesting to see how he evolved and how his son took over, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So for me, that's what made Star Wars Episode Four yeah. a good movie. But I don't know if that makes it a Star Wars movie. That just makes well, it a good. movie that, that I enjoyed. No, but I mean, it's the original two is it's good triumphing over evil. That's probably why you didn't like five, because five is not that. Five, five is back to just kind of nihilistic, five, five, pessimist. Well, but also five just made no sense to their their motivations made no sense and their actions made well, it's no a sense. different it's a different movie. I, I relent to that. It's not if he was trying to make consecutive serial like he claims he was, 
Five's tone is completely different than four. Return of the Jedi has more of the four tone than five does. Six is a little more upbeat than five. Yeah. Five, I would, I argue Empire stands alone by itself. You could watch Empire. You know what's happening. You know where they are because it starts you right at, just like New Hope does, it starts you in the middle and that was a big problem with the prequels is it starts over at a beginning, whereas New Hope, you're thrown right into the middle of this turmoil. That's the great part about those op- that whole opening sequence of the ship flying over and the, you know, the remember drums the, 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 playing. The, the, the first the, ship comes in, you go, that's really cool. Yeah. And then you find out it's this little tiny ship compared to this big giant battleship coming yeah. in right after. It's like, oh. Yeah. And that whole, that whole first sequence is just, I mean, it's ratcheted up. There's right. the gunfight and Darth Vader comes in and he's... The menacing and imposing and he's strangling people and like that blows you away you know who the bad guy yeah is. you know automatically and then you go to and it establishes so well the stakes okay we have to get these plans to the rebels but now the droids are trapped in this desert planet right and all oh, they run into luke and then it kind of sets the whole thing in motion and it's great because there's obi-wan who has a backstory that you don't quite know about and he's kind of mystical and he talks about luke with his father and all the exposition is so well done while driving the story forward. Oh, then you meet Han Solo, and he's kind of a rogue, and he's kind of a bad but he's got that side that you're like, oh, he's probably good in the end. Oh, there's a princess you have to save. All that stuff is fun. Does that fun. make it a Star Wars movie, or does that just make it a good movie? No, I'm just talking about Star Wars right now. But right, the, no, like, no, but still, if we're saying this is what classifies as a Star Wars movie, are we now saying we're throwing that away and just saying this is what makes a good movie? And that's why... The prequels aren't a good movie and 7 and 8 aren't a good movie because they don't follow a movie making, not tradition, but whatever of this is what makes a good movie. Because now they're relying on the characters and the known universe as opposed to... Yes. Like, yeah. Because 4 was... Because we didn't know anything about that world or universe. Right. It was a new, original... They had to tell the story in a creative and interesting way yeah. to get you interested and involved. After they've introduced the characters... They don't have to make a good movie anymore. And those originals, they're so focused, which is what's good. Like, this huge galactic war is going on, but it's focused on the characters. It's focused on their... Yeah, why is it Luke, their, Leia, Han, and Darth, they are the center of the universe? Right. So you don't really need... In those movies, you don't need to know what's going on over on Canto Bight or whatever planet. I can't believe I just drew that out of my brain. <laughs> um, because the story is these characters overcoming and that's a big problem we have with our movies now anyway with like marvel you're so they start throwing in these side quests and subplots and it it muddles it for no reason all you need is this basic yeah we know what the world is we know what the odds are now the story drives itself and the finished product of new hope which i don't think was his finished product before the editing but it it is what we have it's tight it is what we have to hold up and say this is what we have yes until he started yeah we don't know what he, with what him. he was going to give us, but we, all we have to go right. on is what we have. And it ends in such a way they didn't know they were going to make anymore. Right. So really, that's the end of the movie. That was it. They won. They got medals, except for Chewie. Poor Chewie didn't get a medal. And that was it. What would our cinematic world look like today if they had not made any more movies? I don't know. Or if that failed? We can't go there because someone would That'd have That'd be done hard some, to... Right. I don't know. But something if, else if they had stopped at four... It's an interesting question, though, if that... If Star Wars Because like you said, we wouldn't have failed. Pixar... We may not have Pixar because of the technology he was developing. We may yeah. not have... Well, he wouldn't have gotten the money. He might right. have just been a... He did American Graffiti, and that was a good movie. And cinema would be different. 
completely different. That's easy to point out. Uh, maybe Spielberg would be that would be it because if Jaws became the big, I don't know. I don't know. But we get weird. We get Raiders because of the success of Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. Which is which Raiders. I mean, he goes back to his formula of kind of the 1930s adventure epic, which is almost like a, it's almost Star Wars, but on Earth in a way. It's a hero's journey again, where he's trying to get a relic. There's a princess. I don't know if he's really the hero's journey, because by then he is already, he's, he's well into the hero's he's a journey. Professor. Yeah, but if you trace it, if you trace it, he goes to, it's, it's the usual where he starts off somewhere, he travels to the strange land or whatever. He has an obstacle, which is him getting the arc. He gets it. He goes back to reality. It's still, in a way, it's the same kind of formula. You have Miriam, yes. which is the princess, quote unquote. But you don't have the, mythical, get together the, at the, the mystical guide who exposes him to the world he never sees. He's never no, seen. I guess not. Maybe. Yeah, you don't have the mystical he does, guide. What's the call? He doesn't get the call because he's already the first he does scene, get the call but the first scene is him already out there exploring so yeah but not that's like, not the arc though that's no, just but still, introducing it's not like he's sitting around being some bookish professor who said who someone but he is his, right now but wait <laughs> who who is sitting there never going on an adventure who says we need you to do we we need your expertise to come in and do this he is already a veteran explorer of yeah, but the do world. you never is that a stipulation you never go on an adventure it's the you've never left You've never left. Is it? Yeah, oh. you've never left home before, and a mythical guide comes and and exposes you to a whole world you've never you didn't know existed. That's the whole. I feel like there's more to it than that because it's a whole book. Well, I yeah, think we pa- I think we pare it down. Yeah, I think yeah. there's more to it. Because he also wrote the, about like he wrote a lot of books about myths, and so I think there's more to it than that. But yeah, I see what you're saying. Because look, if you look at but if you cut the off. Ring, Bilbo's hanging out in, in, in Hobbit land, and Gandalf yeah, comes yeah. in and says, you need to go, and, and yeah. all of a sudden, his, his worldview... Those are the ones complete. we point to. Or the Matrix, yeah. where you have... Yeah. Um, what's his name? Morpheus. Yeah, it's Morpheus. Yeah, Morpheus. Thank you. Yeah. Otherwise, it would suck in my head. I haven't like, seen that Like, in like popcorn in your tooth. <laughs> <laughs> that you were grinding all night yeah. long. Back to Star Wars. Right. No, Raiders probably wouldn't exist. No. In my mind, I've been trying to think of what makes a Star Wars movie a Star Wars yeah. movie, but I think... I've convinced myself that's not a valid question. No, because there, star- there isn't there isn't a set of no. of characteristics you can say this is what makes a Star Wars movie other than the music score. But okay, so let's base it on what we just said about New Hope. Do you see this is where you get into controversial land? Do you see why people were mad about Last Jedi based on how? The themes of the of the first three are even if you took Empire and said yeah it's a dark movie yeah it is but then you take Last Jedi and you say we're subverting it well you're not really because you ended up where you started in Star Wars there's still a clear good guy Ray there's still a clear bad guy Kylo you didn't subvert anything you just pissed on everything that's not subverting subverting right. would have been when Kylo asked Ray to join him they join each other and they destroy the whole thing and you go oh they created something new. But instead, at the end of Last Jedi, all you have is the exact same binary that you had at the end of New Hope or at the beginning of New Hope. And in watching Phantom Menace, and I think I saw parts of, an, of another, or I started thinking about the other Star Wars movies. The Because one thing people complain about in Last Jedi, Luke would not have just gone and hidden on a planet. Right. But Obi-Wan, Although, I, I, I buy that. But Obi-Wan did that. I mean, Obi-Wan yeah. failed, and he goes to Tatooine. 
and becomes a hermit. How so is, I think what Last Jedi, I think what those but then, new... But then um, Anakin goes into the Jedi school and starts murdering the kids. Yeah. But then Luke mimics that by by wanting to kill Kylo Ren because he senses the dark in him. So there's a lot of throwbacks and parallels and retelling the same story, kind of like the... It is, it's all retelling. Yeah, Star Trek... Um, Two, which was the Wrath, Wrath of, Khan. of Khan again, just like the in Godzilla, which I don't, you haven't seen Godzilla. No, I read your review though. And my review, I did write a review. My brother saw, he didn't like. I read, it. I wrote a review of Godzilla because I didn't think it was worthy of an entire podcast. Yeah, he dies. So spoiler alert: if you haven't seen Godzilla, <laughs> he dies about seventeen thousand times in the movie, mm. and miraculously yeah, comes back to die. It's Godzilla, right? But how many times are they going to do that before? It's no longer a surprise. It's like, okay, here we go again. And what movie did we just discuss where they, they pulled that same... Black Panther does it. No, we, one we just watched. What did we just What did we just watch recently? <laughs> what did we go see? Endgame was the last no, one. No, wasn't it? Anyway, there was one we were talking about, and they pulled the same card three or four times. Like, oh, yeah. I forget, though. I yeah. Think, yeah. Whatever. There's so many movies out there. But they it, do that a lot, though. Right. And it's like, it's not... It, it's lazy writing. It is. It's not a twist anymore. No. It's not a surprise when you pull the same card out of the hat 17 times. Yeah. No, it's, yeah. It's almost the slasher where, oh, Michael Myers is dead again? No, he's not. Right. Like, we know he's not. Oh, maybe it was Scream, because I did watch Scream recently. Maybe <laughs> there's, it was like, okay. And they even, the thing is, they even make fun of. Yeah, but Scream is a, yeah. They're, they're, they're commenting on yeah. it. Even then, though, 90, what, 96? And they're already tired of it, and we're right. still doing it. Yeah. Um, and we're still acting like it's new. I mean, and I'm again. I guess the point of this podcast is you're not going to replicate '77 Star Wars. You just aren't. And I think you're getting a lot of this fanboy hate, which the, it is out there. I mean, I've seen the videos of just saying stupid stuff. It's like, come on, let. That's why I'm saying like, there's sometimes where you could say my Star Wars that I like is different from your Star Wars. We can agree on that. I'm not going to sit and start screaming about. But it's see, not worth it. But I'm still, I'm still not going to give you a full fanboy. You don't get, I don't, you don't get a full fanboy badge. You did not. I'm offended full, by that. <laughs> because I, I was a fanboy. Oh, I, I, but I don't think you were as immersed as the people who walk in. No, and but see, I was in and see the Millennium grade. Falcon right today, and tear up. If I would have continued, yeah, probably. If Episode One would have come out, right. I wouldn't have been disappointed. And because then, I was at the age where I wasn't spending, my parents were not going to let me spend money on a. $200 lightsaber at Disneyland. We'll talk about that in right. a minute. The level of fanboy that... I ate, I ate and the, breathed and sleep Star Wars for like years. As, yeah. yeah, I had a life, but again, I was telling you, I'm, I wasn't even old enough to drive, so right. it's not like I was going to these conventions or... The, and the internet was still young, so it wasn't... But I think that's, that's why that I'm, not giving you, I'm not giving you the full fanboy badges because you evolved out of it. There are people who are in their 50s no, I who are still, I'm not still living as if... But that's Star what I'm Wars saying. fascination that they had in the 70s. But why? Why what? Why do they have Why that? do they still have it? It resonated at a much deeper level with them than it did with us. But, but it's the same level, I think, that they internalized it and they connect it with that time in their life. I mean, it has to be. That's, that's what nostalgia that, is. That's why I still like watching Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. And, and it's so, and yeah. The, it's, the Godzilla movie, as much as I didn't like it, I still enjoyed it because point, it's nostalgia, childlike childness of watching godzilla when i was a but kid but when they remake chiji bang bang are you gonna get online and start giving people death threats because it's not good no chiji bang bang's not ingrained like that is so i'm saying like not not in a big of a culture, what is but. gonna appeal 
to the super fanboy other than just saying here's the theatrical 1977 star wars without the cgi cuts and all that stuff which i would like but again i would watch it and for that two hours i'd go oh i'm 13 again yes and then i would go home like if they released it i would drive to the theater and see it. i wouldn't dress up and all that no but i would go and stand in line and I would see it. But just, there, were, there just, are people that would dress up. I know that. Yeah. But that's the culture of it. I have lightsabers. Like, I get it. At what point do you just say this isn't the same? Like, we like to say it's not a Star Wars movie. Technically, they are Star Wars movies. They're not the ones you like, is what we want to say. My thing well, that's with what it, I keep going back to is, can you come up with a list of I can't for me. That, that say this is a Star Wars movie? They went, The problem is they wouldn't be able to make it. If it was a movie, do you want me to write my perfect Star Wars movie right now? Yeah. If it or was what, for, what makes a Star Wars movie a Star Wars movie? I mean, if it was for me, it wouldn't be the Skywalker story. I would you ditch that. You do a completely different story. And I said that with Force Awakens. Do not put old Harrison Ford in it. I don't want to see it. I want to remember Han as Han. I don't want to see old Harrison Ford as a deadbeat dad. Like that's not a garbage scowl. Exactly. Chewbacca's fine because he doesn't age, obviously. I don't want a rehashing of Darth Vader's storyline. Darth Vader's done. Like, we got his story. We do not need to rehash. We saw it. The problem is that's fanboying and that's nostalgia, which worked for me when I went and saw it because it was the John Williams score. And there's the Millennium Falcon because you didn't have that in the prequels. I think what happened is that wore off because the prequels are so far now that now that's why you're getting backlash because it's not the nostalgia and they're going Force Awakens is all right. But then people are going, no, it's New Hope. And that's even me. I went back and watched it. I said, it's I mean, it's J.J. Abrams doing what he does, copying people and putting a nice gloss on it. That's all Force Awakens is. There are some really good scenes in it. I love the even though it's got narrative problems, the lightsaber scene, the way it's shot in the forest, that's a neat, like that was staged really neat with the snow and how the lightsabers are glowing. But again, that's just surface level stuff. Like she would not be able to defend herself against Kylo Ren, who's trained. She has no training whatsoever. She never even picked up the stupid lightsaber except once. And now all of a sudden she's, eh, I'm getting off topic. But that goes back to the Luke and Darth when, like you said, Darth... But Luke had had training up in that Right, point. but even then you said that Darth is just kind of oh, playing yeah. with them because... Luke completely loses. Yeah, Luke, there's no way Luke actually should win that That's lightsaber fight. emblematic when Darth Vader is literally just standing there throwing stuff at his face and he doesn't even know where the stuff's coming from. That really shows you he is not anywhere close and he probably should have listened to Obi-Wan to not go and fight Darth Vader yet. So you do not do the Skywalker thing. That's done. That's over. Set it years later, what, 30, 40, 50 years later into the future, because it's space and you can do that. You don't set up the exact same stupid storyline of, oh, there's an empire and, oh, there's a rebellion. There's no rebellion. It's the Republic. They won. So what you do is you have the Republic essentially is now the empire, right? Because power structures recycle and now they are the... So the empire technically would be the rebels because they're all on the outside somewhere saying, well, we got to fight this power. We want our power back. Which makes it a smarter movie. You don't do the Jedi thing again because the Jedis were trained by Luke. You can have Jedis do a different story where maybe the Jedis are around. Maybe they're gone again where there was some kind of strife. Bring the audience into it just like you were in 77. But at this point, you kind of have idea, but it's completely different. We're familiar, but we don't You're familiar, but you're not. So there's a storyline, but you're thrown into the middle of this and you just have these basic characters. We don't need to know the politics of whatever and we don't need to know. Just set it up like... Here's what's happening right now in the Republic. Since we left the Republic, they are now the Empire. You know what I mean? What I liked about Abrams was the visuals where 
you had like the Star Destroyer decaying in the desert. That's cool because it's hinting at the old Star Wars, but it's continuing the storyline where you're going, oh, yeah, that this, happened this, this and it's the, over. This is the aftermath of what happens. Right. Right. And that's neat. But then what happened was they said, oh, by the way, here's the new Empire. No, don't do that. Have the new Empire, if you want to have the Empire, like in decayed old ships flying around trying to do whatever. And have a new bad guy show or, up and say, well, or, we're going to... Or owning a few planets here and there where they still are maintaining right. the power. Right. Don't do another Death Star. We're tired of Death Star stories. Get something we else. We did a Death Planet. <sighs> yeah. And then another Death Star in Rogue One. And then this new one's got the Death Star again. Like, stop it. No well, more Death it's, Star. It's the bones of the Death Stars. Yeah, but then the Emperor's cackling. He's like, stop it. Come up with a new story. Well, it's never mind. They let them finish it off and get over and get it done with so they can then make a new but they won't no take us to a new story just do another hero's journey story and you could still do dark tones you can still have ambiguous endings because people like that i mean you're not going to hit the 77 feeling but they're not exactly hitting the 2019 feeling i don't think i feel like there's a lot of check boxes and that's so surface level to me it, it doesn't is. feel authentic so going back to 77 yeah and you said the studio system has had collapsed yeah and they're trying new things. Well, it's all this corporation showed up and they're buying it up. But they're trying new different things and they're more open to mm-hmm. new things. That's how you got the new, that's how you got the Spielberg and right. the at this point in time in society in the movie making industry, in order to be in the theaters, first of all, people don't go to the theaters, so you have to do something to make people want to go to the theater. Otherwise, they'll stay at home and watch it on Netflix. Yes. So you have to come up with something that is zero calories. Yes. Because people don't want to That's think. That's the only reason they're going. And and in our society right now, we want escapism because we're tired of all the that of, of the way things are right now. But don't you feel everything's escapism now? I don't think everything is escapism, but I think everything is zero calorie. There's there's no we're not getting anything with meat on it right now. No, but it's all. And you brought this up earlier. This is like our deepest podcast ever. <laughs> you brought this up earlier. It's all there to distract you. It's everything is a distraction today. And that's because of, like you said, Netflix and all that. But it's also cell phones and it's the internet. And everything the 12, is 12-hour news cycles yes. on 17 channels. And so that's why I'm saying, how do you get the Star Wars 77 feel if everything is there as a distraction? Well, let's look at what are some things that came out of nowhere that surprised us. Stranger Things. They weren't expecting that to be a success. Yeah. But that came in and that... That, that helps Netflix, that, yeah. But it's changed how we viewed Netflix. Yeah. And after that point in time, it became, binge became, moved from from a sub, some people did it to, you stay at home and you watch. I you think binged, it's in the dictionary now too, yeah, isn't it? Binged, binged yeah. um, Stranger Things. Right. I think that really propelled Netflix into where Netflix is. Yes. Oh, yeah. Stranger Things. But I don't think they expected. They weren't. They were, that wasn't the one. They I were don't like, think so. When, when we when we put this out there, this is gonna change the world. Again, though, it's. I, I don't, uh, when you try to by design change the world, you don't. And which Mar- Lucas Marvel, wasn't. And, right. He didn't know if it was gonna. But the Marvel movies. Nah, that's just. Iron Man was not trying to change the world. So I would say, and this is coming from my article that I never finished writing. Iron Man. When you go back and trace it. I think that was the moment you could point to recently where something changed. It's not as big as Disney, or sorry, it's not as big as Star Wars, but it did change things. And here's kind of my argument. But they weren't expecting it to. Right. So here's my argument for this. Marvel was failing as a studio. At that point, they had had a lot of flops. They had the Hulk, Ang Lee's Hulk. They had Spider-Man 3 
Fantastic Four, both of those were kind of floppy. What you had in 2008 was what? You were still in the Iraq war. You had the recession start. What happened was when you look at the numbers, just like in the depression, people were still going to the movies because it was an escape. We didn't have Netflix. So you still went to the movies, kind of. The other movie that came out in that same summer was Nolan's Dark Knight, which is still another movie that we all point to and go, that's the quintessential comic book movie. But they're completely different movies. And this is kind of why DC failed and Marvel succeeded. DC tried to replicate Dark Knight, and that's all they tried to do. Well, Superman's going to be dark and brooding. No, that's not Superman's character. That's Batman's character. That's why Dark Knight works. Dark Knight, also the problem is, is a standalone movie. It's not, yes. you're not able to have a cut scene at the end where, I don't know, Harley Quinn shows up and everyone goes, oh, it's Harley Quinn. And Dark Knight, because it's Nolan, had a lot of deeper themes in it than even Iron Man does. Dark Knight is dealing with war on terror, the nature of nihilism and anarchy and how you combat that. Whereas Iron Man's a fun superhero movie. I like Iron Man. And a lot of people point and say Iron Man is the best Marvel film in general. Because now all of it was carried with Iron Man. That's even in-game. Iron Man's dead, so now it's like, now what are you going to do? Because there were people clapping when they showed Tony Stark at the end of the movie. Like, that was your franchise for good reason. People cried when Iron Man dies. Yes, for good reason, because he was the character. But Iron Man's character essentially is Bruce Wayne, just in a different... So they're kind of the same characters coming at the same era in a time when people were losing their jobs. So it was an escapism, but it, Disney came in and bought that up at the right moment and said, we can market this, and they made everything packaged the same, everything, and it right. worked. The thing is, it became by de- success by design yes. versus success by... And they gave it to the general populace. So now everyone can talk about Marvel as opposed to what? I went to see Ang Lee's Hulk. Nobody was talking about that. I mean, the people that saw it and they were like, "Eh." because back early Marvel was still comic booky where people were like, I remember Disney made it general audience. And that's what, and DC fell so far behind because all they were trying to do was replicate Nolan's Dark Knight, which they shouldn't have done. They should have looked at what Disney was doing and going, oh, let's make this where it's just a serial. That's all those movies were, was they were all connected, which is the Star Wars thing. The other thing Disney did is they made all the tones the same in the movies. They're all kind of lighthearted. There's there's humor. The more more humorous after Guardians came out, because they figured, oh, people like funny stuff, even though I argue that's Guardians. That's not but they Doctor had, they Strange. They had to do some type of shift, because they, if they kept they the same tone, they get all of them. Right, we get tired. And a lot of those movies are throwaway movies. And Disney, I think, knew that. They, we're going to throw $10 million, because we can, at Doctor Strange or whatever, and people are going to forget it. But it gets to you to the next level. Right. But now that level's over, you know. So I would say 2008 would probably be, I would point to and say that was the last significant Hollywood shift because now essentially you see, I have an article linked in my essay that I'm still, I guess, writing, where basically once Disney bought up Marvel, they saved the cinemas because it's... Because the movie going started to slump, but then when Marvel started going back and... uh, that's all people are going to see. And, and the theaters felt comfortable investing money in the recliners. Yes. And the and that's why you get 27 theaters showing Captain America, Winter Soldier, because that's what people are going to see. You're not going to get 25 theaters of Midsummer. I went to go see Godzilla last weekend. I saw it on Friday, which is the day it came out. 11.30 a.m. screening, non-IMAX 3D. There were maybe 20 people in the theater. And that's more of a fan... 
movie anyway. Right, but people were expecting Godzilla to bring uh-huh. in 150, 200 million dollars on its opening weekend. Like, if no one's coming here on a Friday morning, versus you drove by the me- the movie theaters when Endgame came out. Oh yeah, and even when I was trying to see Endgame on the opening weekend on Thursday, even the 8 a.m. Sunday morning screening was sold out. Oh yeah, except for like the first two seats on the, on the corners on the front row. Which no one's going to go to go see a movie in those seats anyway. But I mean, Godzilla. But even like Star Wars, those have slumped. I mean, I remember standing in line for the prequels. That's when you still had to stand in line to get tickets. Right. I was watching a video where they showed The Force Awakens and it was packed. And then they showed Last Jedi and it there was like ten people in the theater, like in the lobby, dressed up. But Disney owns the theaters now, as you and I said when we were at when we went Do to they? see In Game. They not not com- they, they don't, don't own it, right. but well, what happens to the movie theaters? In now, a way, they own it. What happens are the, the as we talked about earlier is it are the theaters going to survive after Endgame? Is there I don't enough, know. is there enough movies that people want to go see on the big screen? Not that aren't Disney that will that people will go to and keep the theaters in business. Not that aren't Disney because the movies that you're still going to go see. I think Midsummer is going to make a decent amount of money, which a decent amount for a horror movie is like what eighty million. That's total, not total enough. or opening. Total. That's not like us. I think was ninety million, which is good for what the budget two million dollars. They make horror movies make tons of money. Midsummer's banking on that Hereditary because Hereditary was, but even Hereditary I think only made eight. That's right. not going to pay the rent, no. the mortgage on on. That's what I'm saying. Disney has- largely owns the cinemas. That's why you go. I'm guessing when you and I go see Midsummer, Endgame is still going to be playing in that theater somewhere. Maybe two theaters, two screens, because the theaters learned you can. And we even heard it when we were there, where they, one of the theaters was empty on us, and so they just because it's all digital now, they just put Endgame on there and then sold tickets to the theater, and that's. <laughs> it's not that Disney owns it, but they're making, the, con- they're making yeah. the content that. And they're making, and they're able to go in and say, you have to play this many screens with Star Wars on it, or we're not giving you the movie. And the theaters say, yeah, because that's what's paying the bills. It's a weird time. And although it's not, it's just back to, it's almost back to that pre crash days. But it's Disney what, owning that, everything. That goes back to what we talked about is what is the thing that's going to come up? I don't know. I don't think it's going to be movies, though. Are, is it are, virtual are movie, reality? Are, are movies is in it, the big theater done? Normal movies? Yeah. Yes. Or is the is the theater system on its second, third, or fourth death? Because TV was supposed to kill movies, even TVs. But TV and this is back in the fifties. Yeah, the, which it did. But that's then, why you get drive-in theaters, right? And then, and they, then you got the Cineplex, which was a response to the blockbusters. So that's how you got. We're gonna have five screens because we're gonna show Star Jaws, Wars Jaws, on, yeah. on five screens. Right. And we've been dealing with that since because we're in the era, we're, we're in the end, we're post, I guess you could say post-blockbuster. But then we got Because the, everything's a blockbuster. But then we got now. the recliners yes. and, and upscale food Correct. and beer. Because that made you see, feel like you're seeing a at home, home watching a movie. Yeah. But what's, ah. is there, what's... I don't know. We, we talked about, we've talked about this before on podcast. Is there a next? I've still been pointing towards video games is going to overtake the... Not the video games. So the esports. No, the not necessarily. Like you're thinking. I'm thinking narrative driven, immersive, and it may be years with technology being where virtual reality is doesn't feel virtual reality. It feels like you're in it. I think that's the next logical leap. Which they're already doing 
in some places. Right. Small based. But even with even with movies, cinema, it was small. You had to go to like little parlors and look at like the, the Edison uh, kinetoscopes and stuff yeah. where you paid a court. I think that's the phase that virtual reality is in. And I think when it actually feels real world with some of the great writing that video games do, that will be cinema. I mean, it's still a form of cinema because some of those games you play are I mean, they're movies, essentially, yes. with great writing. They're even using actors now, like real actors. But I think that's... I don't I don't think movies are ever going to get a Star Wars again. That feeling. Because Endgame is not that. Endgame is you have to go see it, and then it's over. And every, like you just said, we're not talking about it really anymore. It's, Everyone saw it. That was that. It's almost like the end of Game of Thrones. Yep, it's over. Now what's even, next? As you Nothing. talked about with our, um, Avatar. When Avatar first came out, everyone yeah. was talking about it. And then a year later... And that died even quicker than that was just kind of neat I, 3D again. Yeah, but I think Endgame has died a quicker death. It did die Avatar. pretty quick, didn't it? Yeah, no one talks about it anymore. Uh uh-uh. No one even cares that it how much money it's made, and nobody talks about the movie or Endgame. They're talking even less than Last Jedi because Last Jedi had a lot of vitriol behind it. We're still complaining about that movie. I don't know why it's it's throwaway, but <laughs> anyway, we got off what Star Wars. But yeah, you're not. I don't think you're going to get that. You're not going to get that 77 feel because they didn't know it was coming. I think it has to be out of left field. You don't know it's coming for it to really make that impact. Yeah, like I said, I don't think you can design. No. 2001. They didn't see it coming. Right. That was something. If you try to to design it by committee, you're making something so generic. Which is the new Star Wars. You're making. Because so generic that it, it doesn't change. Yes. The game. No. It changes the the expectations of the bankroll, yeah. but it doesn't change the game. Yeah. So then, that was my one question, Ed. Will there be another Star Wars phenomenon ever again? And my, I think I, I answered it was by, by saying, I think you have to say yes. There will be something that comes there along. There will be something, but I don't. You, but we I, can't tell you what it is. Right. So movie-wise, do you think there will be? It won't be as big, but do you think there will be a movie that comes along, maybe let's say in the next 10 years, that's going to completely change the game? Of how we watch movies. I don't know. What in, in, in my feeble mind, we've we've gone down the 3D route in the yeah. 50s. Yeah. We've gone through surround sound and the we've gone through the um an earthquake. What was the Cinemascope. No, but there was the an earthquake. They had the big giant speakers. It was um sense around. Oh yeah. We've had sense around. We had the tickler from <laughs> Corman. The tingler. Tingler. <laughs> we've already experienced but that's all trying to get all you the immersed senses, in it. Right. We've already experienced all the senses being thrown at you in, in a movie theater. Yes. What more could they do? Other than just virtual reality. But that virtual reality still feels so fake. And it's also, it's just more of this. It's, yeah, it's, it's the same. It's a, it's a bonus on top of what we already have. Right. I don't know. I, one of the goals of the Presenia Film Society is getting people to come in and see the movies on the big screen as designed. Yeah. As they were intended. It's sad to say, is 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 the large screen dead? In a way, yeah. Will, will the sixteen screen rave in Uber Heights be around in five years? I. It depends what happens with Marvel. I think will Marvel keep going? But is that enough to keep? That's what's keeping all, it going right now. Right, but the, how many how many multiplexes do we have in the Dayton right, area? Right, a lot. There are a lot. Are, is Marvel enough to keep all of them in business? Not in the long run, no. It has to be something else. You have to have something else. In my as, theory. As the film my... society who's trying to encourage people to go see movies on the big screen, how, do we have a lost message there? Good movies, Tim. Well, yeah. 
Yeah, but there's still, me- still going to be need to go and see. But our message is like what we're doing here, where we're trying to connect it to the culture. Like, you know, people are going to see these, and even you and I sitting here asking these questions of, well, why is this happening? Why did it happen? I think that's important when people go. I don't think people think about it. They don't want, and it's the Star Wars thing now, where you don't you don't stop and go, well, what is Star Wars actually? And so even me going back and watching those clips kind of connected me with what I fell in love with with Star Wars. Just right. watching the behind the scenes and how I mean, it felt like a real different movie now it's so like you said it's what is a star wars movie i don't know it's just these movies they make now are just star wars stuff it's almost like the video games i used to play where i was like cool now i'm a stormtrooper but i didn't get the same feeling as watching empire strikes back i got the oh now i'm a jedi and i'm kind of in the star wars stuff because i bought star wars stuff so then my question comes star wars land how do you feel about that tim (laughs) I have my thoughts on it from what I was seeing. Well, there's so many different angles to take on that one. I don't think it's appropriate and fits in Disneyland. Oh, yeah, for the Disney file, I would hate it. It does not fit in the vision of Disneyland. Right from there, I don't like it. okay. I do understand the need to make an immersive world out of Star Wars. There is a cultural want for people to walk in and touch the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, well, yeah. And you'll make money. And as we talked about, I think, over texting, what Universal did with Potterland, they took an existing intellectual property and recreated a known entity. Star Wars Land is trying to build a land that is that does not exist in anyone's storyline. How do how are we supposed to connect with a land we have no connections with? Even though they do have and how do you tell the story? Apparently they do have Kylo Ren show up there. Yeah, he does. And Ray shows up. Which, yeah. Why are they... Yeah, I don't... I, I know why they have to. Is yeah. We, is we are expected, we're expecting to see something familiar when we go in there. But if they're trying to make this whole new world, you walk in, it's a new planet to us. I don't think it exists in the Star Wars universe. It doesn't. Though. Yeah. Until now, they're making Until comic now. books. Yeah, yeah, they're making comic books based on this... In this land, right. Patu, I think is the name of the planet. I like that they're trying to do something new. There's nothing for us to connect to other than here's the Millennium Falcon. Right. Here's an X-wing. Right. Here's X-wing. It's like okay, but is that enough for us to get engrossed in the story? Right. And I think versus that's a good... in Potterland, you're walking into the movies. You're walking into the movies. You're walking into the wand store. Yeah. Ogle. I don't. Know. Ogle, I, I wasn't uh, a huge. Yeah. I read some. But of the you're books, walking but... into it. It's like this is the same store that yeah. Harry walked into. And this is the same thing that Harry went through to get his wand. Right. We don't get that with Star Wars Land. It's, no. They're, they're creating an entirely new experience. It's going to have some bumps for people to embrace it. As much money as they spent on buying Lucasfilms and the movies, they would be idiots not to try to create a Star Wars experience. No. I don't think it fits in Disneyland. I think they should have made it its own park yeah. and truly gone into let's make a theme park that is Star Wars. Just um, like in California Adventure, they took out Bugs Land and they're making it Marvel Marvel Land. And which, they, they took out the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids playground in and they made Florida. a Pixar world. In, yeah, in Florida, right. Or Toy Story Land. Yeah. I think originally it was going to be Pixar because then they were going to do Cars, but then I think they just decided to do Toy Story, which I don't know why. I think it's, it's, it's Pixar Land. In, is it? Yeah, in... Um, Disney Studios Park. Oh, I haven't been there. It is Pixar Land because they have 
all and also they did that they did a Pixar Pier overlay at California Adventure over Paradise Pier. Yeah. Which they they made that Pixar Pier. So there's that's just so all keeping the up with Harry show. Potter though. No, that's just the way theme parks. I think are going. I think that's just I think that's them thinking they're evolving as their audience changes. The original theme of Paradise Pier was a throwback to the 1920s beachside amusement park. Right. How many people from the 1920s still exist who are going to the amusement parks? No, but see, here's the thing that I always loved about Disney is that they got you interested in that. So, like, when I went to Disney, yeah, I didn't know about old Hollywood, but you'd get interested in it. I didn't know what the Twilight Zone was. I read the Tower of Terror. I was interested in the Twilight Zone. So to kind of say no one knows what the 20s is is disingenuous because it's like, no, go look what the 20s are. Maybe you like it. I'm not uh, saying keep no, the park exactly I'm, I'm the same. I'm, I'm saying that's, I know that, yeah, I'm that's, that's the executive's mentality. No, I know. That's what you're saying. I'm disagreeing to... with it. Yeah. <laughs> I know that's what they're doing. Because if you look at the original Disneyland, you had Adventureland, Tomorrowland, Fantasyland. Right. These are all different lands based on a sense of you're opening up a storybook. Yes. By having it specifically tied to Star Wars, you no longer have this flexibility to bring in this weird conglomeration. Because yeah. in, in Tomorrowland... You had the adventures through inner space, and you yeah. had you could create whatever worlds you wanted to because you're living in this nebulous glob General. Of, a, of a concept. Yeah. If Star Wars Land doesn't succeed, what do you add to it? That was my next question. How long does Star Wars last in the thirty years from now? Is it still going to? But be people this? said that when Universal did with Potter's. By then, all the movies were out, and they're like. No one's going to go to this. No one's going to remember. No one cares about Potter characters. Yeah, but now people are taking their kids. So yeah. it's created a new... So I guess, in the long run, Disney's just making more money for themselves in the future of banking more Star Wars stuff. It's not Star Wars of 77. No. It's Star Wars skins on things. And one online review or article I was reading was talking about if this storyline for Star Wars land does not work, it's easy to re-overlay that as if you're on Tatooine. Uh, Tatooine oh, or, yeah. So it, it, you, they could bring it into the familiar world if if it doesn't work. But what's weird about it, from what I saw, is it's supposed to be this brand new storyline, but hey, there's the Millennium Falcon. There's stuff that's so familiar, like they have these little Easter egg things, that if you're really doing this completely new world, why you, would would question, you would question, you would question, go, the, yeah, why, why is the Ray there? there? Did she yeah. travel here or... This is her and, pit stop before she sees Luke. And Ray's over here, and Kylo Fal- Ren's is, is is fifty feet away. Yeah, and, and the Falcon's th- there, or yeah, yeah, I don't. So you're you're gonna run across those kind of paradoxes. Why are you building lightsabers when you're not a Jedi? Is another question. And why am I paying two hundred dollars for it? They apparently have a storyline built into that, so where that, you could just build a lightsaber. Well, no, so that you they explain why you don't have to be a Jedi to have a lightsaber. Yeah, but that takes away from. I don't know. That better be a damn good storyline. Apparently, the experience is really cool. I, of, I of watched it. I, yeah, it's two hundred dollars. Is it worth two hundred? And you have to pay two hundred dollars before you go you, to go in. Yeah, it's not like you. Went, oh, and then like, you have to pay for the lightsaber. No, you 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 get the lightsaber after you pay your two hundred dollars to oh. go into the experience. So it's how much like is you, the droid building? Um, it ranges depending on how complex your droid is, but it's up in a couple hundred dollars as well, I believe. Yeah, because that's like a fully animatronic droid so then brings me to the next point that i was really as i saw it i kind of went and this is what i complained about with last jedi the entire you complained you complained about last jedi the entire canto bite casino part where it's like criticizing capitalism 
okay, cool. But then I watch Star Wars World where you spend $200 on a piece of plastic lightsaber. And then there were just trinket stores with porgs. And I thought, no, (laughs) you're exactly what you're criticizing. Like you are capitalism on steroids. Like you don't need any of this trinket crap. But people are going to go in there and go, oh, I bought a cup that says, because now they claimed it's, there was a guy I was watching one where he's like, these are all collectible. And I thought, no, I mean, they are, but they're not going to be worth anything because 7,000 other people today are going to buy that same cup and say it's collectible. But this is where you don't understand the Disney collectible world. They had the first day maps. You go to the, the park and they give you the map. The first day maps show the first ones that have Star right. Wars land in them. And it had gold embossed on it. I get it. it. So those become collectible. And you can't buy Star Wars-themed logo stuff in Star Wars Land. So in Tomorrowland, on the first day it opened, they had special merchandise that was themed for at least the opening day of Star Wars Land. But you couldn't buy it in Star Wars Land. And people were torn. It's like, do I go and stand in line to buy the first day merchandise, which I can then sell on eBay, or give up my spot to go into the land? And people were actually torn over, is it better for me to go stand in line and buy limited edition merchandise and give up my spot going in to experience it? And this, and this is this is the, the collectible mentality. Which is the Disney, Disney machine. Right. I, I, was, I was a part of that back in the no, but you 90s. See, but you I see mean, my point. Right. I mean, it's capitalism on steroids. Yes. It's, you and, don't need and, this and crap. for them to comment... Do commentary like yeah. the casino of everyone? Oh, this, because there's, they're all wasting money. Yeah, Disney. That you, you making this movie is that? Well, there's also Club Thirty Three at Disneyland, which is a private club. It costs, I think, it, when I looked into it, is fifteen thousand dollars your first year and ten thousand dollars a year after every year after that to have limited access to this private dining room hidden in Disneyland. It was catered towards people that could afford $10,000 to have access to this private dining room that also had a bar. It was very catered to the people that had money. So for them to have this whole scene in the casino about here's these people sitting there betting on these horses and then all these, all these poor kids who right. slave labor in the basements take care of these horses. plastic lightsaber experience yeah. in Vietnam. Yeah. Like it's, and I get that that's the system we're in, capitalism. I get it. But I'm also not making movies criticizing it and then saying, hey, I'm going to take $200 from you to go get this piece of plastic lightsaber and act like you're a Jedi. Well, then you can't, as an adult, you cannot dress up in, in Star Wars land. They sell the full, the full, you could go buy a Jedi oh, costume. Oh, you can't really? You can't, you can buy it. Yeah, yeah, they're selling them. They sell them, you, you as an adult, if you're Because it's 14, against the story or something? Well, no, they're concerned about if you're dressed up as a Jedi. Oh, the kids and, will and, think And you go to the cantina and you get drunk. And you come out roaming around town, and a kid thinks you're part of... Star- it would be awesome. <laughs> I would toast to that one. But that's yeah, that's why they, they don't want you dressed up as an adult in costumes, because people might think you're an actual character in the park. So you're starting to see where I'm coming from then with I Shrug. Because not that Star Wars was never... I mean, from the bat, it was a marketing i mean the toys and all that stuff was and that's how we got where we are today i think a large they didn't, majority start, of it. they didn't do all the marketing until after the movie until after but the, the toys movie. and all that it right. became and then hollywood became how are we going to sell toys with these movies these blockbusters but the movies themselves the first three are movies 
yeah, you can sell toys, but it's not like blockbusters now where there's, or especially Star Wars now, where you'll have a character inserted for the sake of selling a toy. The prequels did that a lot. Like General Drog or what's it, Grievous. He literally was there to sell a toy because they made a toy of him. And But that's a result of Star Wars, again, where we're, we're kind of in this. So then but, I go back to, is George Lucas a genius or is he a villain? An uh, evil genius? Yeah, evil genius, yeah. Yes, he can. Um, but... Again, I go back to, I think he's genius in terms of his Did he ideas, blunder into his it? His concepts. Was, did he blunder into it? I don't know it? if he blundered. Or did, was this in, did he sit down and have this mapped out? Now, the movie itself would have failed. I'm talking 77 Star Wars. The movie would have failed from the parts I've seen that weren't cut. Would have failed if, if he wouldn't have had those two editors go back and say... And fix it? Yeah, we need to do something with this. Because look at the holiday adventure or whatever. Was it the Star Wars Christmas special? Like, that's a nightmare. I have never seen that because I'm afraid that, to. That's a nightmare. And that was before Empire. And we haven't gotten into Empire or any of that. The original Star Wars, that's not... And I think that's why you see when George Lucas is standing there looking mopey at, in front of the Millennium Falcon. It's almost, I bet, what I like to imagine is kind of like a Shakespearean tragic character where... He's looking out on everything he's, he's created in despair because he's like, <laughs> I became what I was constantly fighting against. And right. he had, and for his credit, he kept his autonomy throughout those three and even the prequels where Lucasfilm, he ran it. Like it was his money. It was at the studios just said, we'll distribute it because we know you're going to make money. But then by the time, you know, he sold it because I think he was tired of it or whatever else or tired of running it or then Disney just started gutting it. Like they destroyed the video game and they gave it to EA, which they got rid of the Clone Wars, which was a huge backlash. They got rid of the EU, which for my generation, we went, wait, what? Because the EU had really good stories that then J.J. Abrams went in and basically cannibalized. So in Force Awakens, you see hints of it because he's not original whatsoever, J.J. Abrams, where he went in and it's like, oh, Han and Leia have a kid because in the e, the Timothy Zahn books, they do. But then he kind of skewed it where he's like, well, they're not twins. There's just one of them. And because in the EU, one of them becomes becomes evil and one it's like a Cain and Abel type story. So two of their two of their kids have the force. They train with Luke. One ends up leaving. Ben Kenobi ends up leaving. I think it was... Ben, or Ben Skywalker, I think it's him. He ends up leaving and he becomes evil, whereas the other one, like Jason was his name, they were twins, is the good. Anyway, <laughs> you can see that he took that, but then he was like, eh, we'll kind of just. Uh. We'll take the parts of what we like. So that's why you had the fanboys going, wait, is Ray like the separated? Who knows? J.J. Abrams didn't have answers. He just wrote it because he knew, eh, yeah, we'll just throw that in there. And that's why people got mad in Last Jedi where they're like, it's nobody because they're saying, no. You played it off like she was somebody, and then you just said no, which is that's not good writing. Maybe um, Kylo Ren is lying to her, and she really does have. See, it'll be interesting to see now that J.J. Abrams is back, what he's going to try to finagle. Because they've heard the fan backlash, and you know Disney knows it because they fired Trevorrow, was supposed to direct the third one that did Jurassic World. <laughs> they canned him and got Abrams. So it shows you that. Kathleen Kennedy is hearing it, even though she wants to sit and be like, we don't care what fans think. But I think they looked at the numbers, especially the solo, and they said, oh, wait, these aren't going over like Marvel, where they just blindly go in there. Because it's a different beast. And like I said, back to that 2008, Marvel essentially branded itself with the general audience, whereas Star Wars was long established. This new Marvel fans, you still have old comic book fans, but... The new Marvel is everybody. We yes. all know Marvel because it's palatable to everyone, I guess. I don't know. Some of those stories are weird, but we accept them. 
because they're well, easy well, we, to accept. We, we got hooked in with Iron Man. Iron Man, because it was a and Iron that, Man was a good general movie. And so we we give them some flexibility, yes, or tolerance because like I, uh, I you're still pretty much within. Yeah. And is that where Star Wars went wrong? Is yes, is we we got our hooks. Our generation ish got our hooks sunk in with four, five, six. Well, there's two generations. Right. There's, there's the yours. Generation. There's mine. <laughs> well, then there's also the current generation. There's also the current. So it was exposed three. to it versus in one, two, and three. Yeah. Have they? Do they stray far enough that we feel betrayed? You and mine do, I think. Does generation from one, two, three? Do they I feel think- betrayed? I think they're all right with it. A lot of the students I've taught, and this is a generalization of people I know, but. They seem okay with those movies, and I think it's it's removed. And like that's why I said they're not made for you and I, Tim. They're right. made for this new. They're trying to marvel it, where they're going to give it to the general populace now. But we, but they could have gone so far astray with Marvel that, that everyone gave up after ten. But they still stuck with something enough that resonated with people. That even if they strayed a little bit, it wasn't too bad. It, did Star Wars stray too far? Obviously, because um, Solo Solo flopped. Yeah. Well, still three hundred million dollars. It's not that's global. They always yeah. throw global in there too, yeah. because a lot Marvel, of these. So let's say us. That that's not there. It's not getting the release that Solo is, or Star Wars. So you're not going to make right. that that type of movie is not going to make what they're doing because they're not. Well, they could that. though. That has the same impact that Star Wars did in terms of just making people just no flock to the theaters. No, because nothing's original anymore. But if something did, that came in original that was only in five hundred theaters. But has such great word of mouth that it would start becoming infectious. More it's like, okay, we're not showing Endgame on Thursday because we're moving this movie. We need another theater to show Purple Hoss and Pfeffer because that's, the the theaters are selling out and everyone wants to see Purple Hoss and Pfeffer. So we're gonna take more and more theaters and it's gonna take off and grow. I don't, I don't. I think that's a deeper problem than we probably have time for. And what is the movie th- Purple Haas and Pfeffer about? <laughs> it's going to be good, though. I'll tell you that. <laughs> it's going to be like Whistle Past Your Grave or Whistle on Your Grave. Yep. Or the, it'll be the sequel. No, um, the, no this is... this is be be the, the sp- cause That's our horror, that's our horror right. series. <laughs> Purple Haas and Pfeffer <laughs> is going to be... <laughs> a fun... It's, it's, it's a feel-good... Adventure story. Adventure story. Adventure it's, story um, in is, the land of... Hero's Journey. Yeah. yeah. I... The problem is now that Disney is so big and owns so much, it's that's going to be a tough giant to battle. And the problem is, though, and I was talking with my friend, the, the friend with Star Wars, uh, last night, actually. I was texting him because I made the statement, I hate that Disney now owns essentially everything. And he said, well, that's the way we're going. Like, you have three major companies running the Internet, essentially. Now you're going to have Disney running the film. I mean, eventually, 20 years from now, you're going to have, what, Five two. corporations running everything, and that's yeah. it. So it's basically Blade kind of, Runner. We kind of are that way now. We kind of are that way now. We just ignore it more because it's all distraction. I think when we sit and talk about Star Wars Impact, our society is heading towards a more serious crisis existentially, I think, in the next 30 years than a simple, we were in Vietnam too long. Three problem. years, 30 years. I said 30. Okay. I don't think it's, it's going to... You don't think it'll be that long? No. No, I'm, I just gave 30 to pad my... So in <laughs> five years, someone doesn't come and go, you stand five years ago. Because we're heading for it, but no one wants to. We're doing the uh, the little monkeys with the yeah, and when see it, here and, and, and when it see it, no evil. Be, everyone is going to act surprised. Like, right. I didn't see this coming. They're, Wait, only one company runs everything? And like, yeah, it's been going that way. And Disney's not the fun, lighthearted Disney of 1956. It's a giant corporation that runs everything. 
And it might not be Disney, because as we talked about, Iger... Is it Disney now, though? Do you feel that it's Disney, or do you feel like it's almost been hijacked? What do you mean, hijacked? And by, by whom or how? So, for instance, like Star Wars, let's say. And this is something I, that just popped into my brain. I saw it. I, I, I know. I saw it on his face. It's, yeah, boop, and my eyes lit up. So, Lucasfilm is sold to Disney. Yes. Kathleen Kennedy essentially is the president of Lucasfilm. However, she's attached to Disney and she basically dictates. She's the one firing directors. She's the one hiring directors. She's the one saying, you can't say this. You have to say this. In a sense, do you feel Disney is the same, but has been going that route for a while where it's hijacked by this strange corporate entity that's sole purpose is there to make profit well it's capitalism or, that's the yeah it, it, it that's is the, but it is but don't you feel that old disney i'm saying classic disney even though from, yes from which, which classic disney what are you when walt disney was in charge of it let's right. say 19 what fantasia comes out all right even though yes disney was there to make money and they were a public company at that point in time so did he did have to answer to the stockholders he did but fantasia was way out of left field right but do you feel that it's the same disney then that is i know we like to yell at disney that he was a corporate evil man but i feel like the disney corporation now is such a gigantic unwielding monster that owns that's just devouring everything that it's even changing film entertainment where it's making it almost like you said it's all distraction or it's all what you call it zero calorie that it's not it's not art i mean it is but it's it's almost like I don't know. I did. Well, Disney Plus. I'm trying to express the, what I'm saying. Disney Plus is the next obvious evolution. Which, which is TV. It's moving in. Yeah. Right. And they're moving their entire Streaming. library to that and making original content for that. And, and there are articles out there saying that Disney Plus is a Netflix killer. That how can Netflix survive? Well, Netflix has been bombing for years anyway. They struggle on and they bleed but, money. But That's Disney, why the price but, goes up every year. But Disney also owns Hulu now. So what is. That's what I'm saying. It, what is Netflix? What can Netflix do to survive? Or do they end up being MySpace that being that gets purchased by AOL? Right, and, and everyone goes. Remember Netflix? Where? Yeah, I remember them. Because because Facebook essentially is MySpace from 2007. Because yeah. Facebook was not doing music and all that crap. You went to MySpace for that because it was fun and you could send your friends songs. Facebook was boring. It was like one white page and you're like, hey, yep. how are you? Here's your email and you're a student. It seems like we're entering this weird, bizarre time, or we're in it already, where these giant four or five like mega corporations are dictating the conversation. So, and that's why I get at with like Last Jedi, the giant corporation Disney is making this kind of bland, I guess, piece of art, they want to call it, by putting Star Wars stuff in it to make you go and go with Star Wars stuff. And then feeding you this weird anti-capitalism. But that's what they're living on. So it's almost like you're beating your kid, but then you're like, but I'm not actually beating you. It's bad to beat your kid. <laughs> or you tell your neighbor, you know, but you how shouldn't is, how beat is your that kid. different than Henry Ford's comment, you can have whatever car, uh, whatever color car you want as long as it's black. But that's capitalism. Right. It is. So, so you move into, in the, in the 60s and 70s, IBM, GM... I'm trying, who are the who are the big three com- the big companies that everyone's like these three companies run the world? Yeah, it's not as bad as now though because they didn't run the conversation. Right, they were they were they were just products. You were, could choose not to buy a Ford. Now that, with Google, you can't. You just get on there and whatever they tell you. This is we're really but how much of that too is George Lucas realizing that and selling it and saying I 
I can't fight this anymore. I can't. I'm done. I'm old. Is that why he sold it to Disney? I don't. I don't know. Because going back and watching and realizing that he had full thought, creative power. I thought he pretty much didn't care anymore. He he had he didn't care to make seven, eight, nine. He was done. He I think he was just exhausted. But then he had a script, so that doesn't line up. But did he? I, his, he did. Well, he said been, he said when he when he made four, he had all nine movies plotted out and. And ready to go. Yes, he can always say he had a script. No, and but I think it's if been. You, if you're sitting around on your, in your throne, and you have nothing to do. Yeah, you'll sit around and write the script. Was right, it, but, would I, he but actually, it's he been actually conf- have the desire it was to make confirmed it? by Disney that he did present a script. Right, but did he actually have the desire to make it, or is this something? No, he, he hasn't made one since Star Wars. Well, he made the prequels. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, he didn't have. I think he just was. I think he was beat up so much from the prequels that that, he, that sounds about yeah. That why would why would you try? That's a good point. People are just going to beat you up for what you make. And he got all the abuse for modifying 4, 5, and 6. Yes. And not which, really, which I, I agree. That he, I, would, I would forgive him for that more if he just let us have... The originals? The originals as well. I always bring up... Steven Spielberg did that crap with E.T. Right. When they released it. But you could buy... You bought the Blu-ray and it came with the original. So you could say CGI, E.T., drinking beer or whatever it was. I want to watch. That's all you needed to do. And he kind of did it with those DVDs, but then what he did was he manipulated the ratio so it was a tiny little square on your TV. So you can go back and watch it technically, but you got to blow up your screen and it's blurry. And so now I go back and I watch it, and, and like I said, he's a, I think he's a complex character that's kind of fascinating to me now. I always You want to go interview him, don't you? I always like just thought of him in a certain light, and now it's like I'm older, I look at it, and I say, I, I don't know, it's more... As the academics say, it's more nuanced. I hate that word. But. <laughs> I think he was so beat up, he was not going to do 7, 8, and 9. I think he was getting old. How old is he now? He's got to be pushing 80, right? Uh, Billy D. Williams is 82, I found out. Wow. Yeah, because when he walked on to that opening, I thought, wow, you are beat up. And then I looked up and said, oh, you're 82 years old. <laughs> you're allowed to be beat up. He also did a lot of cocaine in Colt 45. So that's. Let's look up real quick George Lucas's age. Well, he would have been a teenager in the 50s, because that's what American Graffiti is about. George, George Lucas is 75. Okay. When did number seven come out? Which one's seven? Uh, Force Awakens. Force Awakens. That was in 2015. So he would have been in his seven early 70s when that came out. Yeah. Which meant he was late 60s. Retirement age. What more could you want to do? He's pretty much done everything. So I'm thinking he just looked at it and said, I'm not going to make him. Right. I'm tired of being the bad guy. I'm going to cash out. So then why do you do interviews where you're calling them like white slavers? And So what's that? You don't, you don't have or, to like the decision you made. <laughs> yeah, he made $4 billion on it, I guess. That's... And also, he's a cranky old man. I don't know. But it shows but, that he has some attack. He has to have attachment yes. to it. It's your child. It's, yeah, and he's now seeing what someone else has done with his child. Because like, that's that, even that the Mar- wasn't what I, That wasn't what no. you're supposed to do. And that's even the Mark Hamill backlash that he... After uh, what they did to Luke's character, you watched hours of interviews where he's saying, you know, him and Ryan Johnson, he went in and said, I, why is Luke doing this stuff? It makes no sense to his character from the trilogy. And that's why I said, stop doing old characters. That story's over. Do a but, different, do a Ray story. I'm fine with it. I was fine with Ray in Force Awakens. Don't connect her to the Skywalkers. Don't. That ruins it, because then you just go, hey, fans, look, it could be a Skywalker. And they go, ooh, I like the original ones. And you've created a problem for yourself, as opposed to just doing a new story. 
And I think that's why a lot of people liked Rogue One, because people still, uh, Rogue One's probably my favorite. It's in the universe, but it's characters you have no, they're no attachment to the Skywalkers or Darth Vader or... or that it's, they, I have problems live, with Rogue One, but I can see where they're coming they from. They live in the universe, but they're right. independent of the universe. Yes. Yeah. And so when you see Star Wars things, you go, oh, it's taking place between this time, which is cool, as opposed to being like, oh, Ray could be Obi-Wan's nep- nephew's daughters. Eh, come on. You're just, you're just poking the hornet's nest of fanboys. And then when you get Ryan Johnson to go, it was nothing, then you just hit the hornet's nest and they all fly at you. Do a different story. Because there's a whole universe. There's stories to be told. Yeah. I We devoured those books that were completely different storylines that had some good writing from what I remember. But then Disney comes and says, oh, yeah, those don't count. They, I guess now they're calling them like a dream sequence or something like that. I don't know. Or an alternate universe. Or I mean, Come on. Because the fans said, wait, what about like Shadows of the Empire? And oh, no, those don't count because... Yeah, because they're still releasing books, but they're in the Disney storyline canon. I don't know. Because are they bringing some of that back into the comic books? Well, yeah, like I said, said, J.J. Abrams peppered Force Awakens with those hints. Right. Whereas, like, uh, a lot of people thought that Luke's lightsaber, however the hell they came to get it out of Bespin, the gas giant, so I guess it's an immortal lightsaber, was a Force relic, which is from... And I, and he shot it in a sense that it felt like it was a force relic. Are you familiar with force relics? I don't know. I don't, so, know, I don't know force relic. Force relics are objects in the EU of my day that retained some sense of the force, like a high volume of force activity. Back when it was before meta, this is before midichlorians. Okay. This is when the force was like a <laughs> mystical kind of power. For instance, uh, the tree that Luke goes into in Dagobah is a force relic from. I guess this Sith Lord came to Dagobah to kill Yoda. And Yoda killed the Sith Lord in that tree, which retained the essence essence of this evil. So when Luke goes in there, that's how this weird vision of Darth Vader can appear. Because it's the Force. Because I I never understood that whole scene. That's how they explained it in the EU. All right. There's another Force relic called the... Oh, crap. Something stone. It's in... The comic book came out. It takes place between New Hope and Empire. And there's this crystal on this planet that gives whoever possesses it like extra force power. So Luke goes to find it because the Obi-Wan ghost tells him that this relic's there. Well, Darth Vader also goes to find it. And Darth Vader finds it and it gives Darth Vader temporary ability to shoot lightning because he can't because he's a robot. His body is robotic, so he can't shoot lightning. That's always the... They fight. Leia gets force powers for a minute because she's in possession of it. So she can like kind of fight Darth Vader, but she... She loses. They both lose. So those are Force Relics. So the idea was a lot of fans talked about it when there was just unanswered questions like J.J. Abrams does lost. That Luke's lightsaber, after his hand was cut off due to the emotional intensity of him learning that Darth Vader is his father and that was attached to Darth Vader, retained this extra Force energy, which allowed it to survive Bespin, be found, and then given back to Rey... And that's why when she touches it, the way Abram shoots it, you first see when the screen flips, she's in Cloud City. And you and it's it's like a two-second shot. It flips, and she's in the hallway that Luke's looking for Darth Vader, and he comes out. And you hear Darth Vader breathing. 
And then it goes to like her seeing her parents leave or whatever. So a lot of people said, oh, whatever happened with the Bespin attached itself to that lightsaber. And that's how Rey is able to wield more force ability and, and fight okay, Kylo yeah. Ren, which narratively you could connect and go, oh, that's how then explains how she can just grab the lightsaber because it's connected to Luke. It's connected to Darth right. Vader. So she's pulling on stuff, extra force power. Stuff besides the force. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what the lightsaber is like representing all of that stuff from the original that was... And if you did that without bringing in all the other crap, it would make sense. And you go, that's cool. Like, that's why he wants, that's why everyone wants that lightsaber. And, right. and they kind of hinted at Kylo Ren collecting these relics, like Darth Vader's mask. But then it's like the writers went, that's stupid. <laughs> let's just do. We'll, we'll use part of it. Yeah, let's the do part this. Part of the works, but we don't need to yeah. get the whole. Because if you build it around that kind of stuff, it would make a more interesting, like, why are you looking for all this stuff? Why are you looking for maps to Luke Skywalker? How about you find a map to Luke Skywalker and he's actually dead? Oh, wow. I mean, that it's 30 years later. It's, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you don't need to find him. Keep the story going where it's he's not actually there. He's And he could be a force ghost like Obi-Wan or something. But but instead, they just he takes the lightsaber and throws it over his shoulder. And that's why you get the fanboys. That's I get their rage over it. I don't. I'm Again, I guess you said I'm not true. I'm not full. You didn't give me my fanboy badge, but... You don't, you don't get the full badge. Right. You don't, I, you don't get the whole sash of all the merit badges. I just explained Force Relics to you, Tim. <laughs> yeah, but still, you don't get the full sash. The I don't get the full, full sash. Full sash of fanboy merit badges. But I can see their anger in it, but part of me says, it's not. Come on, guys. It's, watch it. Yell about it with your friends. But it's social media now. That's yeah. what you do. You get on there and you rant, like we're doing now. Yeah. <laughs> I just think there's better stories that could be told in the Star Wars universe, and I would go and say, meh. That was a, which is why they they put a hold on other movies. Oh yeah, they did. They were trying to. We were tired of. Uh-huh. We don't need an Obi Wan story. We don't need. Like you said, start out, start over. Yep. They're bizarre. Do a new story. Yeah. The problem is they've written themselves into a corner with this resistance, and that they're gonna have to end it. I think in order to because now that's it. That's your can't. So now if you do a story that's fifty years from now, you're gonna have to base it on. But it's weird because I think the new Star Wars land is it's based on the resistance because there's no empire there is there's 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 a rebel side but it's resistance it's not the imperial logo it's the resistance logo which the resistance logo is like this weird it's a circle and then there's like these spiky all the right. way around the outside that's not the imperial logo oh I, because the yeah. empire doesn't exist anymore but yet right, it yeah, it's the first it's the first order and then the there's the first order side and then that's what I mean. The first, yeah, did yeah. I say resistance? Yeah. Sorry, the first order. Yeah, there's the first order yeah. side, and then the resistance side. It's not based on empire rebels. It's based on resistance. Yeah, which I still don't know what the resistance is resisting. Is the empire now in control of everything? We'll, that was like we'll a plot. find out in episode. It was like nine. a hole that I'm like, wait, what world are we in? Like, what happened? Are they now in control? It doesn't make sense. I don't know. There was a lot that wasn't explained. I think. For the sake of J.J. Abrams going Star Wars stuff. Like they left out a lot of, there's a gap where that world isn't as explained like Lucas's 77 Star Wars. They even going into it, you know, oh, it's an evil empire. Oh, there's the good guys. Let's watch this movie. Instead, you're sitting there scratching your head going, wait. So after Return of the Jedi, the, there's the, what are they called? The resist was the resistance that's fighting an empire but I, then there it's the i, I gave up trying to it's keep the track republic of it running things i, I don't it's know all the, it's all the same story over and over it's just it is it's the same thing so is last jedi you end up with the binary of 
Kylo Ren's bad. Rey's good. The Resistance right. is the Rebels. The First Order is the Empire. It's it's not subverting anything. It went. It actually went back to before last year. <laughs> it's, like, it's like your complaint about the whole Marvel story is we went through twenty two movies to end up with the status quo that we started with. Yeah, we get we get to the point of Endgame where nothing's changed from where we were. That they they made no change. No, in the world in the universe. It just went back to what it was. You watch 22 movies to retain the status quo. Neat. I, I don't... I think that's a wrap on this one. Yeah. On part one. Part, I, at least on part one. On part one. If you have comments or questions on... You want to yell at Dustin. Uh, or yell at Dustin <laughs> about what we talked about. Or if you want to engage Dustin with his own debate on George Lucas. Genius or villain? <laughs> And help him resolve his his dilemma on this. <laughs> yeah. What is the dilemma? Yeah. How am I going to get over this, folks? You can email us at podcast at presiniafilmsociety.org. You also can contact us on Instagram at presiniafilm, and I'm on the Instagram account. And on Twitter, we're presiniafilm, and that's where Dustin hangs out. That's where I am. If you want to get into a discussion with him or argue with him, Go to Twitter. And I do comment back at people. He does comment. And I think that's it for today. Anything else? Uh, You're packing up. You must be done. I think I'm going to write a short blog post on the movie The Monster, which I watched last weekend. It's an older movie. It's like 2016. But I have thoughts on it, and it's not long enough for a podcast. Kind of like I did with Godzilla? Yeah. But I'll post it. And if you are in the Dayton, Ohio area on Saturday, June 15th, 15th, yes. we are showing Jurassic Park at 7 p.m. and Scream 10:30. at 10.30. That's our introduction of our late night Fright Fest. Yes. So if you are in the area, stop by. We will be there in person. You can meet us in person. <laughs> take pictures with us and everything. <laughs> You can uh, yell at me about Star Wars. I would love it. We will engage in conversation and debate with you in the hallway or in the lobby. Anything else? That was exhausting. That was exhausting. (laughs) Okay, so my outro is um, Princess Leia's theme. Thank you. There you go. There you go. I hope you heard that in your head. (laughs)